Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ben Jarofsky Show. Oh, wait. Ben, sing the song again. If you see me walking down the street and I stuck cry each time we meet walk on by the ben jarofsky show starts now it is wednesday november 13th and live from the chicago sun times chicago reader studio on racine avenue this is the ben jarofsky show Today on the program, it's our weekly visit with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And it's the return of radio host and green gardening guru, Mike Novak. And now your host, furthest thing from green gardening guru. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Harumph Wednesday, and here's why. <clears throat> Haven't we had a Harumph Day? Yeah, I can't have enough of Harumph Days. <laughs> I think we had one of these two weeks ago. I've been saying Harumph a lot lately. Big story in the world of journalism, Dr. D. It's breaking as I speak. We're calling it Journalism Gate. Mm-hmm. That is, were the young editors at the Northwestern Daily correct to apologize to protesters whose pictures they posted in their coverage about their protests? Now, I know what you're thinking, listeners. You're thinking, we don't care. And you're absolutely correct. Nobody cares about journalistic issues except for journalists. That's correct. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. I know this because I've been a journalist for like 50,000 years. Nobody cares about it. Journalists get together. They talk about their trade obsessively. But outside of the world of journalism, nobody cares. And yet, D, I'm going to weigh in. Why? Because I'm a journalist. Been I mean, so. You have a podcast. <laughs> well, you know, you got to weigh on absolutely everything. I mean, it's like people think you got an opinion about Ben. What's your opinion about this? You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes you just don't know. But I'm feel obliged. You know, like I have to say something about it. I mean, if you're a journalist, you just got to weigh in. So here goes. But before I do that. I have to explain what happened, D. And this, I do this. It's a t- uh, like just a basic tenet of journalism that I've learned from practicing it for all the years. I realize that you cannot launch into a discussion about a topic without introducing your topic. And see, this is where journalists are different than ordinary people. Ordinary people, like you, for instance, do oh, not oh. feel compelled. Hey, everybody. And or Brian, the genius behind the Sun-Times, when Dennis and Brian are having a conversation, they don't feel compelled to explain like each individual subject matter they bring up they're working from the assumption that everybody knows what they're talking about so for instance they're talking about rock music from the 90s or movies from the 90s they don't go oh well that was a movie in the 90s 1993 i think the year was blah 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 but no in, in journalism you have to explain everything right kind of annoying but it's once you start doing it it becomes a habit it's a lifelong habit that i have everybody knows this i'll be talking to dennis i'll say you know uh, what will i say like uh pulp fiction well it was a movie in 1993 by uh, uh 
Quentin Tarantino starring Samuel Jackson. You cannot just say Pulp Fiction. You have to explain it. Like the other day, I was in the hospital, as I've explained uh, before. We were talking about heart surgery, and there were four people in the room, and they were explaining a stent operation, and I said... Oh, like Bernie had. And instantly, D, four faces stared at me, blank faces. They didn't know. There was a doctor, two nurses, and a nurse's assistant. They did not know what I was referring to. So I said, Bernie, Bernie Sanders. And I think two of them knew immediately who Bernie Sanders were, but the other two did not know who Bernie Sanders were. So I had to explain, Bernie Sanders is running for president of the United States, and he just had a stent operation. And none of them knew that. Two things I concluded. One, they're not listening to the Ben Jarofsky show in the operating room or the Damn emergency it. room. And two, man, a lot of things that I take for granted, you can't take for granted. All right, so going back to the journalists at Northwestern, there was a protest at the Northwestern campus of a speech given by Jeff Sessions. Hold it. I have to identify who Jeff Sessions is. He's former attorney general for Donald John Trump. Before that, he was a U.S. senator from Alabama. He's arguably one of the most bigoted people to emerge from the Senate. I'm just throwing that out there. It's arguably, I'm not saying he's the number one bigot to come out of the Senate uh, in the last 50 years or so. Uh, and as such, uh, students at Northwestern were motivated to go protest him, okay? Uh, and then their pictures, once their pictures were posted on the coverage, there was a great outcry against the uh, editors of the Northwestern paper for having published the photos of the North and the editors apologized. And they said, we have to appreciate the fact that we are living in a community of students and uh, we have may, may have exposed some of our fellow students uh, to abuse. Uh, we may have gone too far. and We're going to reconsider how we practice our, our trade and our craft. And immediately... Immediately, once that word got out, every old journalist, by old I mean anybody over the age of 30, started go harumphing, which is what old people do, harumph, how dare you do that, how dare you do something different than the way we did, back in our day we did it this way, that way, the other way, so I have to weigh in at this point, D, I'm going to tell you this, I'm with those young journalists at Northwestern 100%, why? Well, not necessarily because I agree with everything they wrote in their apology, because I can't stand it when geezers go rough. Although my prediction is this. Those young journalists at Northwestern University will probably be going rough themselves in about 30 years. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson, speaking of an older journalist who's been known to go harumph from time to time, will be here as soon as he can pull himself away from the Donald Trump hearings. Yes, the impeachment hearings have, be have begun, and uh, Monroe will be giving us updates. He's I haven't watched. Have you watched any of them, D? Uh, yeah, just briefly. Briefly. Okay, I've not watched any. This could be interesting. I'm going to have a discussion. I haven't watched any of them, but I'm obsessively following the prelude, so I think I'm capable of having a conversation, at least a more informed one. Well, this producer's hoping so. <laughs> than the emergency room doctors had about Bernie Sanders. I can't believe they looked at me like, uh, Bernie Sanders had a stent operation? Like, wouldn't you guys know that? Like, I don't know, prominent people getting stent operations. Anyway. Uh, that's another thing that the old people do. They assume that there's something wrong with you if you don't know what they know. But youngsters do that, too. Oh, oh my God. You don't know what the Mario Brothers are? Huh? <laughs> I yeah. thought you meant get sidetracked. That's what old people do. 
Yes. Oh, people get sidetracked. Oh, yo, young people never get sidetracked. Are you kidding me? Uh, anyway, so uh, not to get sidetracked, Monroe Anderson <laughs> will be here and I'll be talking Trump, 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 Trump. Uh, Mike Novak. Yes, radio host Mike Novak will be here. He'll be talking Trump, Trump, Trump and gardening. All right. And uh, he'll be weighing in on Lori Lightfoot, but he loves talking Trump, Trump, too. So uh, he'll be here talking all sorts of Trump stuff. And I think we're going to have a mystery guest. Really? <laughs> I've been walking around the city of Chicago looking for a young journalist to come on the show and talk about journalism. Please come on, talk. Like the young people say, "Well, oh, no, there's that old guy. Run!" Anyway, I think I corralled <laughs> one, and he'll be here at three forty, uh, two forty-five. But he hasn't. Uh, should I announce his name, D? If he hasn't actually said for certain he's going to come on, yeah, don't announce it. What are the what are the radio school ethics of that young man? Don't say it. Okay, I won't. But he he could be walking in. A mystery guest? A mystery guest. So before we do any of that, the young man from Alton. Oh, yeah. The ladies all love him for his body and his mind. I haven't used that line in a while. Uh, boy, I was hoping you forgot about that one. For 10 trivia points, uh, who was it originally ascribed to? What? The ladies love him uh, for his, his body, body and his mind? I don't know. I don't. Otis Wilson. All right. Got these youngsters the, today don't know who Otis Wilson is. I don't watch the dirty films you watch, apparently. <laughs> uh, it was called the Super Bowl Shuffle. And it was actually came out before you were born. So you're excused for. Uh, what year did it come out? Uh, uh, that was a little Obama-esque in the way you said that. Uh, what year did it come out? Uh, I'm Obama. Uh, you don't know what year it came out. I, I, how dare you? Well, come on! <laughs> the year was 1985. Okay, I was born. My name's Dennis, everybody. How's it going? Born in 1983. Dang, man. You were already two years old. Yeah. You were I'm... drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably was. But my name's Dennis. Mm-hmm. Let's unpack the Chicago way to Illinois news happening. Hold on. <laughs> That's the unpacking. Oh, okay. That, yeah, unpack the Mountain Dew and the Chicago and or Illinois news happening this <laughs> afternoon. No Wednesday public events scheduled for the governor. Ooh. But as we mentioned yesterday, J.B. Pritzker got a visit from our Chicago mayor. Yes, Lori Lightfoot went to Springfield Tuesday. She's back in the city now for the city council meeting. We'll have updates on that meeting in moments. Mm-hmm. But the mayor was at the state capitol to cut a deal in an attempt to get some help bailing Chicago out of that $838 million budget hole we talk about all the time was she successful well the answer is yes no you know i'm really not sure it all depends on which illinois political media source you'd like to believe this afternoon and we're going to find out which story our host ben jarofsky is buying all right so i got here two media outlets with two different opinions first up the following comes from the chicago sun times and tinas fondelas The mayor took questions from a packed House Democratic caucus on Tuesday, reminding them that a Chicago casino, quote, benefits the entire state. It was a rare and largely symbolic visit to the uh, to the caucus for a Chicago mayor. Both Lightfoot and Illinois House Speaker Mike Madigan attested to that. Former Mayor Rahm Emanuel rarely visited Springfield himself. Ben, why is that? Why do you think Rahm rarely came to the state capitol? Because he thought he was better than everybody else. Oh. All he had to do was call Madigan and Cullerton, or Cullerton most likely. Uh, I don't, I'm better than you, so I'm not going there. And uh, I'll just call John Cullerton. And it, actually, hard to criticize him. It worked. Called Johnny Cullerton. Boom. Want to bottle up that school elected school board bill? No problem. Bottled up. So, you know, he had his tactics and uh, he just. Take a chill pill, man. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Rob, I will. 
yeah, so that's why he uh, didn't feel the need to go down to Springfield. He just thought, uh, you know, he would just one phone call to his pal Johnny Cullerton, and that took care of that. Well, he should go. To, he should have went to Springfield more. Uh, but by Tuesday evening, it became evident that Lightfoot would leave the Capitol without having seen any major movement on a measure needed to revamp the tax rates for a Chicago casino. And top mayoral aides told the Chicago Sun-Times Lightfoot's other idea, a plan for a graduated real estate transfer tax, is dead, at least for now. Still, Lightfoot reframed the visit, saying it was largely about building relationships. Mm. Pritzker's office Tuesday signaled support for a casino measure, vowing that the governor will sign it if it includes, quote, maximizing the opportunities for jobs for residents and revenue to address our financial obligations. Wait, he'll sign which bill? Says here uh, he signals support for a casino measure. A casino measure. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Mm. Yeah. The governor's office. Uh, governor's office said legislators plan to file a bill shortly. So according to the Chicago Sun Times, Lightfoot Springfield trip eh, may have fell a little flat. But if you were to read today's Illinois Politico blog, you would think Mayor Lightfoot took the ball, drove it into the paint, <laughs> slam dunked that sucker, and maybe got a and one. Uh, by the way, uh, without basketball reference, can I just point out that uh, Kobe White uh, hit seven threes in the fourth quarter last night as my beloved Bulls defeated the dreaded New York Knicks uh, at the Chicago Stadium, otherwise known as the United Center. Can I just tell you that? I mean, you just did. That's our sports for the day. Hold on. Kobe. Kobe. Sorry. <laughs> Top story at Illinois Politico reads, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot is close to winning a hand in Springfield after spending Tuesday talking to lawmakers about why helping Chicago is good for the state. Sources familiar with the discussions between the mayor and the governor say the mayor's request to tweak the tax rate for a Chicago casino could see approval this week as early as today. It's a good day, Lightfoot told reporters after her meetings. She also discussed her sales pitch to lawmakers. The mayor's and governor's office have been going back and forth to nail down a palatable tax rate that downstate and suburban Democrats would agree to support. They think they've got it, and the governor would sign off on it as well. Lawmakers also showed interest in the idea of a graduated real estate transfer tax, but they don't want to touch it right now. Because it's carrying too much baggage. Wait, so what's the thing she's going to get if she's not going to get the real estate transfer tax? I'll just read it again here. The mayors and the governor's offices have been going back and forth to nail down a palatable tax rate that downstate and suburban Democrats would agree to support. They think they've got it, and the governor would sign off on it, too. I don't know what tax rate they're talking about in that story. Uh, if it's a casino tax rate, it's the graduated real estate transfer tax. There's so much happening. Let me just say this right now. And this is why it is so confusing uh, for ordinary people to understand Illinois politics. It's very confusing for journalists who spend their whole life studying this stuff to understand Illinois politics. Because here's the deal, folks. It was about, I don't know trying to go back in time i think may it was uh, that the word broke that uh, a casino bill had passed remember that day big news the casino bill was was happened over like a weekend within 24 hours or 48 hours it looked like it wasn't going to pass and all of a sudden the deal cut and it was passed everybody's like hooray hallelujah woo Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. same thing with reefer all of a sudden reefer was legalized everybody's like, oh reefer's been legalized by the way we're going to bring uh, young thomas tom shuba into the studio this friday we're going to go take the reefer bill apart from a to z you should show up for that one folks bring out your paper bring out your pens take notes or if you're a millennial 
take notes on your little phone, right? Whatever you do, pay attention because Thomas Shubin is going to take us from A to Z on the reefer bill. And it ties together with the casino bill because both bills, the casino bill and the reefer bill passed. All right. So if they both passed, why are we still adjusting the bills? Very, very good question you ask. And this is one of the games they do uh, in the Illinois politics. They have something called a trailer bill. And a trailer bill is a bill that trails the first bill to clean up the mess of the first bill. And you go, wait a minute, I thought they passed that bill. That means they had an agreement. Uh-uh, negatory. They don't have a full agreement. Or late, later they realize that the original bill they passed created more problems that they hadn't seen. Or maybe they passed it realizing that they created the problems, but they figured they would just punt for the moment and clean it up in the trailer bill and so that's what they're doing these trailer bills that come together uh, that happen in the vetoes i know this is so confusing this is this is why journalists it goes back you have to explain everything d like most people go huh i thought they passed the casino bill ben how many times people ask me a party but wait hold it i thought they passed the. then i start explaining and they're all walking away the explanation wait i'm giving the explanation oh it's so boring man just give me ah, never mind <laughs> never so yes they passed a casino bill but the casino bill needs to be modified why because apparently the casino bill they passed uh was too damaging to it was too uh the taxes were too onerous for any operator to want to run a casino in the city of chicago i'm a little dubious about that by the way I think there's plenty of money for an operator to make running a casino in the city of Chicago. The city is chock full of suckers. Onerous and dubious. You're throwing out the $5 words today, buddy. Oh, man. I, did I ever tell you? I went, uh, I, you know, I was an English major. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I do. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, okay. Just saying, man. Well, come down to our level a little uh, bit okay, here. Okay. You know, it was too too uh, harsh, too high. The uh, taxes, too much. Uh, and so they can't make enough money. That's what they're saying. I doubt it, but. Anyway, Lori Lightfoot believes it. She and she said so. She went back uh, to Springfield to ask them to adjust the casino bill so that there be less money going to the state and the city, and more money going to the operator, and so the operator can make more money running the casino. To which I say, why? What's in it for us? What's in it for the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois if we can't tax the hell out of a casino and soak these suckers who actually throw their money away? You know, we need that money here in the city of Chicago to pay the police and fire pensions. Why do we need to readjust it so more money goes to the operator? I'm just throwing that out there, D. That's a good Throw it question, out there. Right? It's your show. Throw it out uh, there. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Lori Lightfoot says that the study shows that we have to uh, lower the amount the state and the city take from the uh, casino that they have in Chicago. So now they have to decide, well, Who's going to give up how much? So the wheeling and dealing uh, continues. And so that's why they're in uh, Springfield right now trying to clean up the casino bill that we thought had all been passed uh, way back when. Anyway, that's the casino bill. And I could do a whole explanation on the reefer bill, but move on with your story. All right. So we've heard two different takes on Lobby Lightfoot's trip to Springfield. By the way, still no update on a deal being cut. Just looked online. No update. Ben Jarofsky, which story are you buying here, uh, Sun-Times or uh, Politico? <sighs> you really put me on the spot there, D. <laughs> I was loud. Conquistadorio Stallions. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning toward the Sun-Times. I, I um, By the way, if I'm wrong... 
tomorrow. I will own up to it. If they cut a deal uh, on the casino, I think the, the deal you're talking about is the casino bill mm-hmm. or, or the, the real estate transfer tax bill. I'm not quite sure which Either one. Either one. Either one. I, according to to my beloved Bright One and the Chicago Tribune, by the way, they also weighed in. Uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, hit a wall. I think, wasn't that the headline in the Tribune? It was a very good headline. Hold on, let me get the Tribune out. Did I tell you the Bulls won last night? Did yes, you did. Yeah. Oh, no. Here's a Tribune. No well of deals for mayor. And sp- By the way, that's a good headline. I was critical of the Tribune yesterday. No well of deals uh, for mayor in a Springfield deficit fighting casino real estate transfer tax packs eluding Lightfoot. So the Tribune's in agreement with the Sun-Times. And I am I have to say, yes, I think she hit a wall. Uh, the issue in terms of the real estate transfer tax is this. Uh, this is a tax that was originally originally talked about in terms of funding you 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 slap a tax on the sale of, of property uh in the city of chicago and it's graduated so the tax raises the tax goes up uh by if the property's worth more uh so it's making re- wealthier people pay more so it's fair in that way and the money was supposed to be originally it was going to be used to fight homelessness and pro- fund uh, affordable housing in the city of chicago now mayor Lori lightfoot is saying that she needs some money to balance the budget uh, we can have a discussion on that uh, i know there's a lot of housing activists who feel that she's backtracked on her promise but then again it's one thing to be the mayor and it's another thing to be a candidate and so you know She's got bills to pay as the mayor, as a candidate. All she has to do is make promises. Uh, so anyway, so there are many uh, progressives from the city of Chicago uh, it, who are state reps who want her to uh, at least obligate some of the money for housing. And she doesn't want to obligate any of the money for housing, apparently. And so they're fighting over that. And I just don't see that being resolved within 24 hours, D. Hope I'm wrong. Hope they can cut a deal, resolve it, because obviously uh, the city needs the money and uh, the uh, affordable housing people need the money here as well because Chicago's getting very unaffordable. So they hope they can uh, reach some accord. But I'm going to go with the Sun-Times and the Tribune on this one, D. I don't think they're close to cutting a deal. All right. As I said, if updates become available on that, we will be talking about it. As I said, there was a Chicago City Council meeting today. Mm -hmm. The mayor's back in the city. She had her monthly meeting with the aldermen. And women. So, yes, it's time for every Chicago political junkie's favorite fictional soap opera. (laughs) It's the ever-flowing fountain of drama between a mayor and her alderman. A mayor and her alderman. (laughs) All right. I love this show. You do? I love this. I, I can't get enough of it. I know. Today's big topic at the city council meeting. Minimum wage. Mm-hmm. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and the one and only Fran the Woe Man Spielman. By the way, download the latest Fran Spielman podcast. It's all about health, mental and physical. Chicago's minimum wage would rise to $15 an hour by 2021, four years sooner than the state. But tipped workers would only be guaranteed 60% of that under a mayoral compromise floated Wednesday that did not appease progressive aldermen. Under the mayor's plan, Chicago's $13 an hour minimum wage would rise up to $14 an hour on July 1st, 2020, and $15 an hour the following year. After that, minimum wage workers would be guaranteed an annual increase capped at 2.5% tied to the consumer price index. Employees under the age of 18 would also get to a $15 an hour uh, wage, but more gradually. And the graduated hourly wage for tipped workers would rise to $8.40 an hour, which is 60% of the $15 minimum wage taking effect 
the year after that. After the mayor's plans were laid out, one progressive alderman spoke up and said that this proposed minimum wage plan is not enough. Ben Jarofsky, I'm only giving you one because I think that's all you need. Take a wild guess as to which alderman that was. Well, there's many candidates uh, in the running for this now that there's Democratic Socialists in the city council. Uh, but I am going to go with a candidate who is uh, in now in his second term. I'm going with the alderman. Of the, I'm totally, by the way, guessing this. This is the problem with gambling right here. If I had to put money on this in Vegas, I may lose. But I'm going to put my money down on the alderman from the 35th Ward, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. That's correct. Well, yes, you win the money. Now, here's the other problem Don't with gambling. Don't win money. No, but now you double down. Oh, my this God. This is what the gambling bug is Dude, all about, folks. you're scaring folk. me. This is where you double down. So ask me another question. Let's see no, if I double. No, no. I'm seeing the dark side of Ben Jarofsky, and I don't like it. The double down. I don't like this. Yes, it was the 35th Ward Alderman and frequent Ben Jarofsky show guest, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Rosa pointed to a study released last week that showed tipped workers in the Chicago area now paid $6.40 an hour plus tips have twice the poverty uh, poverty rate of the rest of the regional workforce and 63% of them are quote workers of color in casual restaurants where tips are meager. The alderman went on to say that's the biggest difference between quote white uh, white and people of color tipped workers of any region of, comp- of a comparable size in the nation. It continues to harm the restaurant workers who need to raise the most, which are black and Latina servers who are subjected to sexual harassment and poverty wages as a result of the sub-minimum wage for tipped employees. Chicago has a lot of catching up to do to make sure that black and Latina women that work in the restaurant industry have economic justice. This proposal robs them of that economic justice because it fails to get them to parity when it comes to the minimum wage. Dan Lurie, Lightfoot's policy chief, countered that, quote, going from $6.40 an hour to $15 an hour effectively overnight would be too much of a shock to the system for the restaurant industry. Lightfoot wants to get $15 for tipped workers, quote, but we want to build out a ramp here and a schedule that allowed for restaurants, many of whom are very small, to be able to pull this off, Lurie said. Lurie called the mayor's proposal, quote, a win for business and workers in a powerful part of Lightfoot's anti-poverty strategy. But restaurants need a, quote, chance to adjust. Dan Lurie then said the mayor is not unaware of the fact that the tipped wage economy is a very problematic economy. It's mostly women, mostly women of color, and one where there is demonstrated clear evidence of exploitation and other problems mm, man it's tough being mayor okay can no, i just kidding. say that it's tough no, being kidding. mayor and I, look i'm with the workers i'm generally with the workers and i'm all for eradicating the inequities uh in our city and the way we divvy up the pie we have to rearrange that it's obvious and uh the city of chicago is becoming so expensive uh, and we're struggling with ways to f- pay for our obligations. And more often than not, we're going toward regressive forms of taxes. I talk about this all the time. So my inclination is to be with the workers. On the other hand, I realize that Mayor Lori Lightfoot is dealing with a lot of other people in the city than l- folks who agree with me. 
So you're not only just going to have like the Tribune's editorial board weighing in and the Sun-Times editorial board and Cranes. I'm sure all of them uh, are going to be blasting uh, Carlos's proposals being uh, too much. You're going to have the Illinois Restaurants Association weighing in. They got a lot of clout, D. They can call up, make phone calls. Uh, you can have press conferences orchestrated by really uh, savvy uh, PR folks. Remember the the whole campaign against the soda pop tax and undid Tony Preckwinkle. It was, it was largely controlled by big soda. So there, it's not like the other side is stupid. They got money. Uh, they have savvy operators who used to be journalists themselves and said, forget that man. I'm getting out of journalism going with it. With it going is good and make some money <laughs> representing big soda. So it's tough. You're Lori Lightfoot. You know, you may have ideals, you know, that you ran on or, but now you're the mayor and you got to deal with all these different forces so uh, I feel I understand she's in a pressure I hope they can reach some kind of a court what is the difference between it, it, Carlos is asking for $15 an hour what's Lori with what Danny Lori's saying what's the kid Lori saying uh, Lori's life of policy chief countered that going from 640 to 15 overnight would be too much of a shock to the system doesn't really say the exact uh, right. way it doesn't say what he wants yeah, okay yeah. all right well you're gonna have to come up with something it's like what we remember uh, we talked about the uh, teachers the teachers wanted to get all the days back that they uh, uh, lost to the strike, and and Lori Lightfoot said, "Oh no, n -n -n no, you're not getting any days back." And I said, "Cut a deal, make it five. And like within an hour, they were, "Oh, hey, we heard on Ben's show, let's go at five. Uh, oh, we'll solve this problem too. Come on. <laughs> all right. So, uh, well, I, d d Lori didn't give a number. Danny Lori, the 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 policy guy for Lori. That's a lot of Lori's. You know, Dan Lurie, Dan Lori, Lori Lightfoot, Lori Glenn on the show yesterday. Uh, so I would say ten dollars an hour. How about that, D, for uh, tip workers this year? There you go. I solved the problem. Thank you, everybody. I solved another well, problem. We'll be waiting uh, online here to see when that uh, update comes that Ben Jarofsky just solved another one, uh, no, two for two. You know, it's funny because uh, we had uh, on the show yesterday, uh, Lori Glenn uh, was uh, here, and uh, I thought it was a very good interview with Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry, and, and they were talking about how they want to give Lori Lightfoot a chance. Uh, they want to give Lori Lightfoot a chance to show the world uh, how what a great mayor she is, how fair she is, uh, and how progressive she could be. And I know a lot of progressive folks out there are already getting impatient uh, with Lori Lightfoot. They don't feel she has moved far enough uh, to be the progressive mayor that she ran as. And uh, now there's talk out there. Well, she's never really was a progressive. She's just a reformer. Uh, there's a distinction between a reformer and a progressive. Uh, and, you know, I... I, I do believe that the, the problem of uh, inequity is a key part of what is at the what's so wrong with so many things in the city of Chicago right now. Folks can't afford to live in the city of Chicago. And uh, I think Lori Lightfoot has to address that. And this is one basic way of addressing that by weight, raising the minimum wage and raising it even for tipped employees. You're going to have to going to have to do you're going to have someone is going to have to help uh, the poor people in the city of Chicago, the working people in the city of Chicago. You can't just continually assume that they can just plow along uh, with the system we have. So I feel that Lori's going to have to come up a little bit. Come on. You can do it, Lori Lightfoot. Come up. Easy for me to say, right, D? <laughs> I'm not going to get the calls from the Illinois Restaurant Association. So there you go. The update on today's city council meeting and the latest between a mayor and her alderman. <laughs> to be continued.
Yeah, by the way, this is this this is going to come down. You know, will the city council, mayor and her alderman, will the Chicago City Council come up with votes uh, to block the budget? I, I, You know what, Dave, if I had, again, going to bed, I do not believe they have the votes to block the budget. I believe that Lori probably already has. We need 25, and she would be the 26. I think she has the votes she needs to pass pretty much anything she wants. Uh, the issue gets to be, uh, does she want, like, a ROM-like outpouring of like 45 to 48 or 49 uh, yes votes. That seems, it seems to be the way that we do things here in the city of Chicago, that it's a sign of weakness uh, if a mayor cannot get an overwhelming sign of support for his or her budget. So is she holding out to, uh, you know, in the deal, like uh, the minimum wage deal with Carlos Ramirez Rosa, so to get him to sign on to his budget and so she could say, look, I what a great budget I have came up with. Everybody's for it or is she just going to be satisfied with having the 25 or 26 votes she needs to pass it my guess is she already has that uh and so she really doesn't need the progressives but um we'll be watching all right we're waiting for our guest monroe anderson to arrive and while we do that we have an update a city club gate update that's correct mm. Hold on, let me get my uh, City Club certificate out. Oh, please do, please do. Yeah, Ben's a member of the City Club of Chicago, and when he went to that meeting at the City Club, well, they weren't as shady as they are now, I guess you can say. I don't know, they'd already been raided. I didn't know that. Nobody told me that. Oh, really? The raid, I mean, the raid happened in May. Oh, my God. And uh, I was thinking about this as I was uh, taking the train into work today. I was just uh, reading the story. There was a great article in the Tribune. I have to give... Give a shout out to the Tribune, by the way. Hold on, let me get to the paper. There was a great article on the Tribune. I've been thinking about this so much. Who I just want to see who wrote it. Ah, yes. Uh, Rick Pearson, congratulations. I thought this was a really good article, very educational. In Trump's saga, refrains of Blagojevich's tale. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about this, contrasting the impeachment process as it uh, affected uh, former Governor Rod Blagojevich uh, in 2009, and the impeachment process is just underway in Washington right now as it affects Donald Trump. And with Blagojevich, uh, there was no sympathy on the part of the Democrats whatsoever as soon as the feds came and knocking uh, on, on Blagojevich's door and arrested him in December of 2008 uh, for shaking down, allegedly shaking down the Obama campaign uh, for contributions to get uh, to, to, to determine who would be the next uh, state senator uh, to replace Obama. Uh, he immediately, the Democratic Party abandoned him. The votes were overwhelming. I think there was one vote. Uh, Deb Mel, State Representative Deb Mel, who is Rob Blagojevich, his sister-in-law was the only Democrat uh, who voted against impeachment. And then it went to the Senate for a trial, and it was a unanimous decision by the Senate. Nobody voted to acquit Blagojevich. He was all alone. Everybody, Republicans and Democrats, denounced him. Uh, He did not have his day in court. He had not had his day in court. There was was nobody, uh, you know, to counter it. To, to counter the federal accusations that had been made by the U.S. attorney. Uh, and Bogoyevich was driven out of the state, and everybody sort of patted themselves on the back. And it was really interesting. Pat Quinn was sworn in, and he asked, I remember this, uh, he asked uh, Ann Burke of the Supreme Court to swear him in. And Ann Burke, of course, is the wife of Alderman Ed Burke, who is now under investigation uh, himself, uh, has been uh, charged with uh, shaking down, uh, using his property tax business to shake down people 
people here in the city of Chicago. So it's just really curious. I, I remember feeling, you know, you're so self-righteous people here in, in the state of Illinois. You drove Bogoyevich out for doing what you probably have done on one variation or another your whole career. And then you have Ed Burke's wife swear in the new governor and call it reform. Uh, I had a hard time stomaching what I thought was the hypocrisy there. And what Rick Pearson does a very effective job in this article contrasting uh, the, um, the, the opposition to Bogoyevich, the, the unanimity of opposition to Bogoyevich and uh, to drive him out of office. And just think about what's happening in Washington right now uh, with Donald Trump. The Republican Party, it's pretty clear, not one Republican, no matter what evidence is uh, brought out about uh, Donald Trump and what he did to Ukraine's president, not one Republican will vote for an impeachment, it seems like. Uh, And when we get to the Senate, if it does come to the Senate, Mitch McConnell does allow it to come to the Senate. I do not believe one Republican senator will join uh, with the Democrats. This is purely partisan. And uh, the Republicans who are uh, in the House are, are uh, turning their attacks on the uh, their Democratic uh, colleagues. Uh, they're turning their attacks on the uh, White House staffers who are testifying against Trump. They're turning their attacks on the feds. They're as essentially assailing anybody who dares to criticize uh, Donald Trump. Completely different than what went down in Illinois, where everybody, there were no defenders of Rod Blagojevich. There was nobody questioning the evidence that had been marshaled against Rod Blagojevich. Absolutely everyone, Democrat and Republican in the state, uh, turned against Rod Blagojevich. And uh, just an interesting contrast uh, that just once again exposes the difference between the Democratic mentality and the Republican mentality when it comes to politics. Republicans play to win, and uh, they don't care if what they say today completely contradicts what they said the day before. Uh, It's been very effective and successful for them, so I don't see it changing. Anyway, great article uh, by Rick Pearson uh, in uh, today's Chicago Tribune on on that subject. We'll be talking about that with Monroe when he comes in. So far, City Club Gate update here. After the raids and all the negative press, City Club President Jay Doherty offered to resign. Well, the following comes. Well, it comes from Chicago business and quite possibly the meanest poker player in <laughs> all of Chicago, Greg Hines. But I'm reading it off of uh, Capital Facts and Rich Miller here. Okay. Uh, let's see here. After some internal debate, the club's board decided to reject Doherty's offer to resign. Insiders tell Rich Miller or Greg Hines or whoever wrote this here, at least in part because Doherty in recent years has been critical to the club's success in landing prominent public officials to its forums, including governors and mayors, U.S. senators, and even candidates for president. Uh, We have a quote here. It says, Mr. Doherty is the president of the club. I don't know of any move afoot to change that. I hope he stays. He's largely the reason we've been successful. At the same time, club leadership has declined to press Doherty for some explanation of exactly what he did earn that much from uh, ComEd, a state-regulated entity, and to answer whether that big check conflicts with the club's very public role in helping shape city and state public policy. Yeah, no, this is a funny one. By the way, one person invited to speak at the city club uh, was yours truly, and they gave me this lovely certificate saying I'm a, I have a honorary one-year membership. It's given us so much material. I'm so glad you went to that. <laughs> it's only a one-year membership. I'm just thinking about, what What about my lifetime membership? What happens? Are you going to renew? <laughs> 
I have to think about it. You know, it's kind of weighed in with Doherty. Do, do I stick around if Doherty stick around? Uh, but anyway, there's an ongoing investigation into Commonwealth Edison and its relationship to Michael Joseph Madigan and the Democratic Party. And was Commonwealth Edison uh, putting, uh, you know, giving jobs to people, uh, do nothing jobs to Democratic operatives as sort of a way of providing patronage for them uh, so they could go out and campaign, spend most of their life campaigning for Democratic uh, politicians in exchange was the state of Illinois, the Democrats in the state of Illinois, just slipping through, uh, greasing through any request, uh, rate request for Commonwealth Edison. I suppose this is the things that the feds are investigating. And Jay Doherty, as a lobbyist for Commonwealth Edison, the feds came and knocking on his door at the city club back in May, I think it was, to gather up. I don't know what they gathered. They gathered something. Uh, and so that's what was. What, what, that's what made me think about the Rod Bogoyevich because the city club would be the kind of place where everybody would gather, uh, you know, when, when the story broke about Rod Bogoyevich to say what a terrible character Rod Bogoyevich is. If we can only get rid of Rod Bogoyevich, the state will be purer and cleaner and will be better off as a people overlooking the fact that the you know, just the usual business that goes on in the state of Illinois every time uh, sanctioned by Republicans and Democrats as they look the other way. Uh, so it just kind of makes me smile a little bit. And uh, yeah, the feds came a knocking at the city club door. And should they keep Jay Doherty as the president? Well, you know, they're like, yeah, keep him. Why not? What the heck, huh? Why let him? They, listen, all they did was come a knocking they haven't charged him with anything right in this country d you're innocent until proven otherwise so i'm going to keep my certificate i've decided that um it would be hypocritical for me to throw away there my you certificate go. There you go. i'm going to keep my prize certificate and uh jay Doherty should keep his job unless they have some goods against him hot there damn i love that story city club gate <laughs> city club gate it has given us a lot of material okay um, so hey guys it's football season did you know that wait it is football season still right it's not over yet what week are we in my beloved bears were victorious while uh, the bears it's week 10 i want to say oh, okay and there's 16 right uh there are well there's actually technically 17 oh, weeks every week. team has a bye week oh, yeah okay. so i think we're heading into uh don't quote me here uh week 11 of the season oh okay how are the ba- how are the bears doing uh not very well they oh, okay. they won on sunday they played a team that's awful the detroit if Lions. you can make a noise that described uh the bear season so far what would that noise be that's a person choking yeah that's a person choking. by the way since we're talking sports i tell you that kobe white hit seven threes in the fourth quarter yesterday for my beloved chicago bulls what was that again uh since we're allowed to talk about sports all of a sudden i mean we're not but go uh, ahead did i tell you that uh kobe white uh for my beloved chicago bulls hit seven threes yesterday Mm -hmm. i was at the game wow yeah Hey, it's football season, which means that the best sports reporters at Chicago want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. The Sun-Times has always been your go-to source for sports, right? Right? Well, now the Chicago Sun-Times is a proud partner of the Chicago Bears. Ben, make that football noise. Reset 2020. Yeah. Don't miss a game this season. Get the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times. For a limited time only, you, that's Y-O-U, you can lock in our lowest rate yet. Only $29.99 for a full year of all the news and sports that you need to know. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access, people. You can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. 
That's suntimes.com forward slash B-E-N. People, don't go anywhere. Because when we come back from this break, Monroe Anderson will be joining us. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. And for the record, I love puppies. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Well, we got to get down to business. Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Monroe Anderson is with us. He's braved the cold to give him a lot of credit. More, more importantly, he ripped himself away from the TV where the hearings are going. Monroe Anderson has been waiting for this day. Two and a half Two years. Two and a half years. <laughs> he knew. Monroe Anderson, legendary Chicago <laughs> journalist, knew it was just a matter of time before Donald Trump just... Got himself into all kinds of trouble. Trump is corrupt to the bone. He is corrupt to the bone. You know, I, I want so much to talk about a Donald Trump with you, and we're going to do Donald Trump, Donald Trump, and what's happened. But I also just, there's so these little side issues uh, that I haven't talked to you about, like Journalism Gate, which is breaking out at Northwestern. And also, I don't know if you saw Clarence Page column in the uh, Tribune today where he weighed in on whether... Um, it's uh, okay for Hollywood to cast Africans, uh, 
actors for roles playing black Americans. Yeah. And uh, he weighed in on that one. Uh, so yeah, looked, that's my missus' complaint, too. She she says that the Africans are taking over everything. <laughs> Who says this? Joyce. Oh, Joyce says that? Yeah. Come on, Joyce. <laughs> the Africans are taking yeah. That's like my friend uh, Norm was used to worry about that in the NBA. You yeah. Know? Uh, he, yeah, he was like, uh, Af- but you know what? Hey, it's supposed to be a meritocracy, right? Isn't it supposed to be a meritocracy? Yeah. All right, let's, let's manage to avoid that discussion for a while anyway. Although, although um, I think it's fine that they're, you know, that, that the Africans are, are doing what they're doing. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Well, I'm actually for now we're going to uh, we'll probably have this conversation with Sergio comes on next week because I think this is a perfect Sergio conversation. I believe we should do away with uh, casting by color all together. Throw it out the window. Well, that's what Hamilton did. The musical. Yeah, exactly. We should do that for all all things. And the Goodman does it um, for uh, Christmas. And we should do it for all things. So, for instance, Samuel Jackson can play Macbeth. In other words, a role that is traditionally associated with a white person, a black person should be able to play that role. And And the actor is good. The audience will forget that's the challenge to the actor. And so this notion... Well, except the way racism works in America. Um, when you encounter some person, somebody, just a stranger, the first thing you see is color, the next thing you see is sex. And until that goes away, of course, maybe if they did blind, colorblind casting, it may go away, but it, I don't think so. If the actor... I, what you're saying is true. Yeah. Uh, and... What I'm saying, if the actor is really good, then the color becomes irrelevant. So, for instance, uh, Denzel playing yeah. the um, the character in Death of a Salesman. Yeah. The old salesman. Yeah. Everybody thinks of a rumpled old white guy. Yeah, right. Okay? Right. Why can't Denzel? He's 60 years old now. He could play a rumpled old yeah. salesman. Yeah. Because, hey, when'd you, when'd you get over? A salesman is a salesman. A so sal- that's, that's... But there are some racial... Roles, for example, um, if 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 they did a movie about Bill Dukes, Denzel would not work. <laughs> you mean uh, David Duke? David Duke. David Duke. Yeah, not Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. David. I was like, Bill's well, the actor. Right. Yeah, I'm right. like, right. wait, I'm huh? sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. David. Actually, I, you know, I'm going to disagree with that. Let's uh, let's really throw it out the window. If he's a great actor, uh-huh. you'll lose sight of him. Uh, and right. He'll just be a racist. Right. right. Hey, if Samuel Jackson can play the world's biggest Uncle Tom uh, in Django, yeah, why can't Samuel Jackson also play a white racist? If he's a great actor. And the script is good because you keep looking at Samuel Jackson. And go, That's your problem, America. <laughs> you want to get to America to the point where we don't see colors? Is that the goal? Yeah, right. All right, let's go, yeah, America. Right. Samuel Jackson will play see, David Duke. And I don't have a problem with seeing color. I have a problem with discriminating once you see color. That's a valid point. That's a very valid point. But I would love for da- uh, Samuel Jackson to play David Duke. And you know why? It would piss off David Duke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> How about Samuel Jackson playing Donald Trump? Oh, right. Instead of making Alex Baldwin, let's, yeah. you know, yeah. let's get Charles Barkley to play uh, Donald Trump in the next. Uh, 
Anyway. Uh, why don't we get Shaq, Shaq to play Donald Trump? He's about, <laughs> as, about the same intelligence level. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> there we go again. We had a bro Shaq under a bus. All right, let's give us the update. Uh, let's move away from this discussion. We'll probably have it next week when Sergio's in the studio at, at greater length. Uh, let's get the update on what went down today um, at the hearing. Oh, okay. We, 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 we got the Patriots. That's Taylor. William Taylor. Yeah, Bill Taylor and Kent. George um, Kent. George Kent. Mm-hmm. Okay, we had them telling the real story and how it should be. We had the Republicans <laughs> throwing stuff on the wall. Okay, you know, first of all, um, they they didn't attack their character. They, were, they weren't foolish enough to do that. But what they attacked was um, that... Well, they attacked Biden. They want to know why wasn't Biden being being investigated instead of the president, since Ukraine was doing all this um, stuff in twenty um, twenty fifth sixteen. Mm-hmm. They rigged the election. It wasn't Russia. It was Ukraine. Mm. And their questioning went along those lines. Wait, so, so, all right. I, I, See, they have this cockeyed theory. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this, there, there's this um, cloud, cloud, cloud uh, storm or something, but some, some, some organization that the right wing says actually um, hacked the, Demo- uh, the Republicans were out to, to do Trump in. Mm-hmm. They were, it, it, you know, it's so cockeyed, it makes no sense whatsoever. But anyway, they were pushing and questioning on that. And they were complaining because Biden wasn't there. And they were talking about the, um, the, the whistleblower. They wanted to know why, why weren't, wasn't he or she there. So they could question their credibility. You know, it's, it's just all these distractions and. So, in other words, the, uh, the of course, so everybody should know the Democrats are, are running the show. Uh, it's a Democratic. Uh, the Democrats have the majority in the House, so they get to. Uh, they're the the majority party. The American uh, people made them the majority party to get rid of Trump, and and a legitimately a legitimate majority, right. unlike Trump's majority, which yeah. was a minority. Right. Uh, so all right. So so they run the show. So they they're the ones who have uh, raised the charges against Trump. They're the ones who are conducting, uh, largely leading the investigation, and they're calling these witnesses. So. Uh, well, before we get into the testimony of the witnesses, what you're saying is that what the Republicans do are instead of questioning witnesses about what was said, when or where, or whether, yeah, what no, Trump, they're, 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 they're just simply assailing the Democrats for not having Biden and and, and questioning the procedure. You know, they um, they want to know why why can't the whistleblower why why isn't the whistleblower there? They want to know. Why wasn't Hunter Biden there? <laughs> I mean, it's just so it's, they, they're not even asking questions of Taylor when they get their opportunity. Well, they got yeah, finally they got around to that. Okay, and then um, the the questions were whether whether Taylor and Kent were being specific enough. They would take their testimony and ask them, "Well, you said this." Well, um, for example, and now. I'm I'm riding around the blocks um, 
concentrating on getting a, a parking space. Yeah, it's always so, difficult. Right, yeah, right. And so I, I, half I, of the spaces I, are cut right, off. Right, yeah. exactly. So I, I wasn't in full concentration, but from what I could tell, um, what they were questioning was, well, because Obama didn't give the Ukraines any uh, weapons, hard weapons, he gave them blankets and GPS or something, you know, uh, because he did, he didn't want a shooting war there. He was trying to avoid that, and Trump did give it to them, give them some weapons. Then um, they were attacking Obama and 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 asserting that Trump was in fact the hero. Wow! Oh, you can't crane. Mm. Now the truth of the matter for those of us who have followed this mm. with any regularity. Um, Trump was holding up, giving them the um, javelins, selling them the javelins, giving them the money to buy the javelins until, um, because he was two days away from getting President Zelensky to go on CNN and announce the investigation of Hunter Biden. And then the whistleblower (laughs) blew all that up. He or she uh, came out and exposed them and so then they gave them the weapons. They gave the uh, Ukrainians the weapons Trump mm-hmm. did. And the Republicans are just completely sort of skipping over that matter and just saying, well, they have the weapons. And that no, nowhere was uh, quick pro, pro um, said between in the conversation, I think it's um, the um, 25th, Mm-hmm. Of July, yeah, July twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere during that conversation did Trump say "quit pro pro." Wow, you know. So I mean, it's just I mean because they don't have a defense. I yeah, mean, yeah. Tr- Trump has been caught having shot several people <laughs> on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. There, the corpses are there. There are eyewitnesses. There are casings around, and they're still trying to deny it. So. Uh, so what we're let's get back to uh, what Taylor and uh, there were two two uh, main witnesses uh, today George Kent uh, and Ambassador William Taylor right uh, so what was talk about Kent's role in all this Kent um, is is I'm I'm confusing them now wait uh, Kent is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State and William Taylor is yeah, the, the ambassador, ambassador. Okay. Uh, the, the top so, US dip- yeah. diplomat in Ukraine. So um Kent was the one who who came up against the um three amigos. And that's um Giuliani, um Salon and um Trying to remember who the th- oh, um, um, okay, I'm blocking on his name. I, I I see his picture, but I'm blocking on his name. But anyway, they were the alternate uh, group running foreign uh, um, security, national security in the Ukraine. Trump, we have an official department of, of which Kent is a part of. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's, he's, he's in charge of that. And then you have Giuliani trying to cut a deal 
uh, and insisting that um, they don't, the, the Ukrainians would not get uh, a visit to the White House, which um, Zelensky really needed to sh- show his people that he was legitimate and that he had some, some, some clout. And um, the money for the weapons. And, and they kept, Giuliani was telling them, you can't get it. Um, Salah was saying it. Mm-hmm. And Trump was saying it. But he wasn't saying it on that particular conversation. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're going to have other people who are going to say that Trump said it. Yeah. Uh, it, in, uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty clear uh, that they got Donald Trump uh, nailed on the issue uh, that he was clearly stating to the Ukrainian president that unless he, the Ukrainian president, uh, announced, all he had to do was announce an investigation. I mean, yeah. it's not even clear to me that there had to be an investigation. Yeah, no, he, had to he merely w- announced that there was an investigation. Trump wanted him, Zelensky, to make the announcement so he could use that against Biden. And that would be his whole campaign thing, everything. Mm-hmm. And they were literally two days away from it. And and then the whistleblower blew it up. So that's that's the other thing. The, the um, Republicans are insisting that they 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 bring bring in the um, whistleblower so they could question him or her. Yeah, as if all these other. Oh yeah, no, no. This all, is, all these other uh, witnesses who are testifying aren't enough. You right. just got finished saying they not, they're barely even questioning the the, right. the, the, the witnesses they have. Right. They just want the other witness that they don't have, right? Uh, as opposed to well, because, just, it, because it fits into all their various uh, conspiracies that they have about how, what what really happened, you know, the deep state mm-hmm. business, it, it fits into that uh, until they get the, the, um, the whistleblower in. Um, what's ridiculous about that is imagine that, this, um, that Dennis started a fire. Okay, imagine in, this, in, yeah. In this building. Uh-huh. He did, right. and, and, he did on the way up here. Mike I don't know what he was doing. Us. Mike and, Novak has joined us. Go uh, ahead. Okay, and so, and, I, and I'm, I'm passing through, and I see the fire, so I pull the alarm. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to try to right. see where you're going exactly. with this. So, uh, you know, the fire department gets here, and, you know, and uh, they're, they, they put out the fire. Uh-huh. And then everybody wants to know who pulled the, the, the fire alarm, uh, not, not who, who set the, the fire. fire. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, this is basically what they're doing with assisting yeah. that uh, the whistleblower come along. The whistleblower just told them that something was going on that didn't look right. Yeah. And then after that, um, they found all this other stuff, and they have had at least 10 witnesses that have said in some form or another Mm. that Trump was trying to extort and bribe the Ukraine. Mm. Well, uh, can I... Can, can I throw something in there about like the, the whistleblower? Uh, yeah. Since you know you you said we might talk Trump, the well, whole whistleblower thing uh, episode, and and you've outlined it very well. I love your analogy, and I've been thinking about that too. And it's 
purely punitive. It has nothing to do right. with bringing any exactly. facts out. And, it, and to scare other whistleblowers. Right. This is what and, will happen. Which is why we have a whistleblower law. So it's about as anti-American as you can get. And the whole idea is... There's no reason to find the whistleblower. I, I liken it, and some people will disagree with me about this, the death penalty. The death penalty, in my view, is punitive. It, it doesn't bring justice. Once you've convicted a convict, you've gotten your justice. Now we want blood, some people say. And, you know, and I've never had a close person next to me murdered, so... I have, so I, I know, yeah. But I, I still think it's yeah. it's it's about it's a bloodlust, and the same bloodlust right now is going uh, for the whistleblower. It's just because Trump is a petty, vicious, vindictive human being, and that and he he won't rest until he has that name. Well, I actually think that's there's two things happening. Uh, I think you're correct, Mike, uh, that Donald Trump is all those things. And he's obsessed with knowing who the person is Mm -hmm. that, uh, dared to blow the whistle on him. So he could just at the very least, uh, malign him through Twitter, uh, which (laughs) seems to be his favorite. uh, Well, what, what, what they will do then is, 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 um, pick them apart. You know, they'll, they'll, I mean, whoever it is, I mean, if, if he got a parking ticket last yes, week, yes, that's they, the other they'll make that They'll make that an issue. And, yeah, and so that that was my second point, and and so the tactical advantage to putting the attention on the whistleblower, as opposed to let's say putting the attention on uh, the the gentleman who uh, William Taylor and George Kent, who are actually sitting right in front of you at that moment, testifying yeah. as to what they saw and their problems with mm-hmm. how Trump behaved. Uh, by putting the attention on someone who's not in the room, you can just sh- sort of shroud uh, the entire proceedings uh, with d- dubious intent. Perhaps you could undercut the uh, credibility of the proceedings. Oh, another by, one. Yeah, and, and in the proceedings. Yeah, that's you the, know, and I have to you you have to forgive me, but it, I've watched three hours of it nonstop, oh, and yeah. so that's my cr- mind. Is, it I, even I watched got, a lot of yeah, it this yeah, morning yeah, too. I even had time to process it yeah. all. Okay, and I wonder if you have the same opinion that, that I or the feeling about that, uh, having watched this, and it's. To me, it's really embarrassing watching most of our uh, congressional representatives ask questions and watch their thought. Pro- and I and I should use air quotes for thought processes uh, because they they're they're not they, when they when they put that on display they they mainly embarrass themselves. You know, I like it when when they have the lawyers there and you can follow a line of questioning, but then you give the five minute thing, and it's. You're, you're waiting for uh, somebody just to say something stupid, and they almost always do. Uh, and Well, if you're a Republican, you have nothing but stupid things to say. Yeah, but it wasn't just the Republicans. I was yeah. listening to a couple of Democrats on the way in today, uh, on the way in here, and I thought, oh, please don't do that. You're not helping the cause. Yeah. You're not yeah. shedding you an any light on this. Give me an example of, of the kind of discourse you're hearing from them. Oh, what was... Well, for one thing, uh, um, Joaquin Castro mm-hmm. was was questioning when I was coming in, and first of all, he got he called one of the guys an ambassador who had to politely respond. I'm not a, an ambassador, sir. And uh, that's that's Kent, right? Uh Kent. 
he was talking. Yeah, about. yeah. And what was the question? Uh, I'm not going to even remember. I just know that he asked a couple of dumb things that I'm driving, and I'm thinking, please stop. Just don't, don't do this anymore because it's not helpful. But they have the right to do that. That's the way it's set up. Um, and some people will be a little more laser focused than others. But when you just open it up to everybody, then it becomes a clown show. Well, my, my, my hope was that they would have a prosecutor, somebody who's not running for office, someone who's not up for uh, election at all, just to handling. Well, Schiff is a prosecutor and he's done a good job. Yeah. He, he did a good job. But, and they have prosecutors doing the questioning, mm. which, which made it interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because with the Democrats, a I, I, guy's name was Goldman. Um, maybe Donald Goldman or Dan Goldman or something. But anyway, Goldman would question them, and, and he would pull it out of them. You know, because they, they were reading, basically, they, they had their, their scripts there. Mm-hmm. Um, they being the, to uh, Kent and yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Kent and, mm-hmm. and Taylor. They had their scripts there. Uh, because they couldn't remember everything they said, and they wanted to stay for, be consistent with it. Yeah, they're under so, oath. Yeah, exactly. So they would ask, so they'd be asked a question, and they would look down at the script to see what answer they had given before, and and sort of read it back. And uh, things that were off script, what Goma would do is would lead them along. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 well, lead them with the question. That's what I what I was hoping would be. Yeah, there. yeah. So so that was good, and with the. Republicans, I don't know who this guy was they had, but he was also um, a prosecutor, I think. He was attacking them or or leading them into the whole Republicans um, stuff about the deep state and, you know, all the implications. He wanted to know, well, uh, what what did Trump say about this? Or one of their defenses was that... um, Zelensky, President Zelensky, said he didn't feel pressured, and he never mentioned that he was pressured. <laughs> and so they just beat that horse to death. You know, it's like he says he's not pressured. Uh, the president, he stood before uh, a whole gaggle of, of, of reporters, international reporters, and he and uh, then he named the newspapers that said that he said that he hadn't been pressured by mm. Trump. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> All right, do you buy that line that he wasn't pressured? Yeah, that's crazy. No, that's nuts. Why the would president. he say he's yeah, not right. going to say that? Yeah, right. he's, he's trying to get four hundred million dollars, yeah, right. and, and and wants to have good. He doesn't know whether Trump is going to be in office or not, right. so he wants to keep a good relationship. So no, he's not going to say that. The poor guy's doing a tap dance there, right. just to, right. you know, walking on a, a thin wire, just right. wondering what's going to happen next. Right, right. You know, it'd be funny if he did say he was pressured. Then the Republicans <laughs> would start ripping his credibility. Oh yeah, right, exactly. Your wife. Once wrote a letter endorsing Hillary Clinton. Did I have it right here? Uh, I'm telling you, we're going to take a break. But I'm telling you, folks, we are watching the OJ trial too. It's just I get a delight out of this because everything is flipped. Back in the '90s, all these white Republicans were denouncing Johnny Cochran, and now they're just taking a page from his book. They should be thanking him. He taught them how to play this game. You put the other side on trial and hope that everybody doesn't pay attention to what your client did. But it's not a trial. It's fact-finding is what it is. And it's it's not working. Well, all right. Except among the, 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 the Trump nuts. We'll get into that when we return.
Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. All right, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for being sweethearts, quite frankly, and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Wednesday, November 13th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio, and it's the long-awaited return of radio host and green gardening guru, Mike Novak. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. I thought you were going to say, not a green gardening guru. That was the first hour. Uh, I tell you what, he went to radio school. He knows his stuff. Yes, indeed, Mike Novak and Monroe Anderson in the studio were talking about what's going down in the, in the halls of Congress today. And uh, is, is it working was the question. Uh, the Democrats 
calling attention to Donald Trump's wheeling and dealing with the president of Ukraine. Is it working? Before we get into that, D, an update from you, sir. Yeah, I have an update here. This is actually uh, happening uh, as we're doing the show live here, so we're going to try and keep you up to date as best as we can. Uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says that Uber is paying off black ministers to oppose her rideshare tax and policies, saying that the company is throwing everything it can at the wall because it doesn't want to be regulated. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. The hardest working man in this building, Dave Roeder. <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> Roeder, he'll be coming in tomorrow. Oh, he'll be talking about this. Great. And the one and only Fran the Woman Spielman, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, today shot down an alternative congestion fee floated by Uber and accused the ride hailing giant of offering black ministers $54 million to carry the ride hailing giant's water. $54 million? $54 million. Whoa. Lightfoot dropped the political bombshell at a City Hall news conference when asked about that tax plan uber claims would raise 21 million dollars more than lightfoot's congestion fee because it would apply to taxes as well as ride hailing uh the mayor said quote is this the one where they're paying off black ministers by 54 million dollars that one or is this a new one the mayor said they offered up black ministers 54 million dollars a one-time deal if they would convince the mayor to do away with any other kind of regulation and as and as we walked these ministers through the realities of what is actually at stake here i think they realized that frankly they'd be hoodwinked 54 million how does she know that that's correct she could have got him at five <laughs> monroe anderson very jaded observer uh of the connection between politicians businesses and black ministers in the city of chicago uh when, when press for proof here lightfoot yeah. said quote i've had a number of ministers who've met with us and said uber promised us 54 million dollars if you convince the mayor to back off we'll get those names to you all right whoa mayor lightfoot okay now just think about about this for a second uh mike and monroe just think about this for a second let's say it's true okay let's just say it's true that uber uh, offered a black ministers 54 yeah. million dollars i i find that a preposterous notion me too uh, well, the money the, 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 the amount yeah the amount is preposterous yeah, exactly but just how would you go about allocating it you know how would you conceal a transfer of that oh the way you do it is give them housing projects but Uber doesn't control housing projects. No, That'd be the city of you, Chicago that yeah, controls it. No, I'm it. talking about in the sense of building new housing in the in the black community. What you do is 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 funnel that money through contractors. But that that would be the city of Chicago that would do that. Not Uber. Uber doesn't no, build well, develop. Uber, no, but the Uber Uber could give them the money to do it and and they would build some housing to in other words it, uh, they would have a press conference and they'd say uh, uber is sanctioning uh no they wouldn't say uber they'd say we're building i we, see we we have this 54 million dollar housing <laughs> I see. throughout the black the, the south and west side did i tell you the or, or or there's going to be one minister that has a really great house Donald Trump <laughs> Monroe Anderson knows a thing or two about Chicago politics, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So th then my second question is, is this, let's say it's true. Yeah. Let's say that someone from Uber called uh, a black minister yeah. or a bunch of them and said, all right, here's the deal guys. If you put the pressure on Lori Lightfoot, uh, to, uh, uh 
drop away from the abandon her plan to uh, tax Uber, uh, we'll give you $54 million, okay? Just think about how much that tax is worth to Uber. Just think about that. If they're willing to spay, spend well, that's yeah, that's I was wondering yeah, about what right. would the tax amount to? Exactly. No, that's total. why I don't believe the number. You don't that's think why that I'm you, don't, it's not you, don't, you don't think it's fifty-four million dollars no. a year? No, or no. or forever? Right, exactly. <laughs> I think right. it's like five dollars and forty cents. If we're going to just stick with the five and the four, <laughs> uh, we'll buy you lunch. <laughs> well, that was the first thing that popped into my head, and I thought, well, I'm just being naive, but you agree with that. You just think that's a that's a crazy number. Yes. So so. Who does it benefit to come up with a number like $54 million? Who's, you know, what kind of strategy is that to, to say that? I mean, it, yeah. Well, I, uh, what I'm sure what, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing mm-hmm. what the mayor is thinking is, um, okay, well, some of these ministers are, are, are pressuring her. And she wants to have this tax because she needs every penny she can get for her from wherever to pay down mm-hmm. the deficit. Mm-hmm. So she just pulled the number out of the sky <laughs> <laughs> or some other place else. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just, <laughs> what's it, well, <laughs> that reminds me of the time uh, when <laughs> mayors throwing out uh, dollar signs. I remember when the uh, the mayor daily. Uh, mayor Richard M. Daly, Mike Novak's favorite mayor. I uh, just threw that out there. Uh, you wanted mean Richie the Deuce? Richie the Deuce. Okay. I wanted to convince people that selling the parking meters was a great idea. And so they came up with the number a billion. Right. This is already a little more than 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I think they leaked it to Sneed in the Sun Times that they're a billion dollars. And I think their thought was, People in the city of Chicago would see a billion and then be like, God, whoa, yes. what a windfall. That's billion with a B. <laughs> that's, what, that's what people in the city of Chicago would do. Right. They go, billion with a B? Right. Sell the meters, yeah. And here we are, whatever it is, 10 years into the meter deal and the, the parking meter deal. People have already made back the billion dollars. They made it back in year one, didn't they? No, no, it took, it's their, no, it took a little more than year one, uh, but they've made it back. Everything gravy okay. from now on right and uh so it essentially was a loan that the parking meters companies gave to the city of chicago and now we'll be paying the interest in that loan for the next 65 years oh, yeah. by giving them all the proceeds uh from a parking meter i still don't understand why a, a smart lawyer couldn't break that contract i, I still yeah, don't me get neither it. well if, i i just don't think they want to and I'm, and I'm not sure you know, but. There you go. You answered your own question. Because I, I actually thought that Rahm Emanuel might try to do that, and then he would have been a hero, and then the rest of his term is smooth sailing, right? But that 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 just sank beneath the waves. You are so smart. You are so right. My, uh, Mike Novak, let it be known. Ra- you're right. Rahm Emanuel could have been a hero. But this is one of my favorite things. Every time Rahm Emanuel, here we go. I'm, I, you got me going on him, <laughs> particularly in that first term. Here we go. Every time Rahm Emanuel was confronted between doing the right thing and doing the wrong thing, he did the wrong thing. Oh, that had a lot to do with him being a corporationalist. Well, fine. You're getting yeah. an explanation yeah. for why he did the wrong yeah, thing. Right. Exactly. I'm just no, saying for, for a specific reason. He I could mean, have been the hero, politically speaking, even if it failed. Even if he failed. He, he tried. didn't care about the people. <laughs> no. 
He didn't. Take a chill pill, Matt. He was not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he was not a people person. <laughs> By the way, Mike Novak has told me I'm not allowed to mention Wally Phillips, but is he is he channeling yeah, he, the great Wally Phillips he, right he now? He is. This is Wally started that, he, and I I picked it up, and now Dennis is running with uh, it. It's just unbelievable. Uh, what, I, people, first of all, anti millennials. Millennials are who? Wally who? Wally Phillips. I am who I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, get carry. I don't even know who that is. Uh, I, I thought it was uh, I am what I am. That was wrong. Right. Uh, uh, that was I am wrong. Who I am. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, lay off a of Dr. D because he's cool. Yeah, no, he is cool. Everyone knows what's up. Uh, but anyway, well, but, but, and I want to throw one more reference in there. You talked about throwing dollar signs around. Is that better than throwing around nickels like manhole covers? That would be Michael Keller Ditka talking about George Hallis. Am I correct on that? I one? believe you are. That's correct. Good, uh, I, I you. knew you would know that one. Uh, I'm really weird. But um, <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, Wally Phillips back in the day and channel on WGN would. Uh, uh, have the WGN radio WGN radio correct because they actually try he tried to do a TV show he didn't make it in television so he went back they, we, I did not like know that. way in the early days oh, yeah I am like this guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you have as much hair as Wally had oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway he always had those funny voices and I I've said this before when when we had a work uh, the the boss made us listen to WGN I was in high school and I wanted to listen to WCFL WLS and sure pop and they were making me listen to Wally Phillips. And I apologize. <laughs> and Roy Leonard. But the highlight of the day was when Wally Phillips would have those little voices. Go, and I well, okay, now, uh, folks should know, and by the way, my name is Mike Novak, and I have a radio show in Chicago on WCGO 1590 AM and FM. Uh, the FM is 95.9. Uh, Sunday mornings, 9 to 11 AM, we talk about gardening, the environment, sustainability, all that good stuff. Okay. That's how, how you do an introduction. Okay. <laughs> However, and yeah, tune in, folks. There's podcasts. We're all over the place. All right. Like you guys are, you know. Are you con- taking notes con- on that introduction, Ben? Con- yes, the internet <laughs> world. Uh, but for 25 years, I worked at WGN Radio. All right. And for the last nine years of Wally's career, I was his engineer. And what folks, I still think folks don't understand that those voices that popped in, most of the time we had carte blanche to throw in whatever we wanted. And Wally would roll with it. Even even towards the end, he was really very sharp. Now, he was a a lot corny, of course. And, um, you know, when um, Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer came around, they poked fun at him and they were the the new generation and so forth. And there I was in my 30s working, running the board for Wally Phillips (laughs) going, I'm on the wrong team here. But but uh, they paid me well, and it was fun. And, 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 and so you were his Maceo, huh? You know how, how James Brown would call out the Maceo? Maceo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. And right. In fact, Maceo played the music, and James Brown would walk in on a session and go, uh, uh, yeah. jump, jump, yeah. kiss, kiss. No, he okay, was more like that. the guy who introduced James Brown. Whose name I can't remember right now. That was, was a Maceo. No, Maceo did not. Maceo was the sax player. Yeah, I know. And, but he wasn't uh, doing. He, he wasn't he making up the music too. It, well, it, uh, James Brown did a little of his own songwriting, but not there was like, who was the guy oh, that introduced James Brown? Do the good foot. Okay, give me the lyrics to do the do the good foot. I think you just said the lyrics right, to exactly, do the good right, foot. Exactly. Uh, but uh, my, anyway, my point is, I'm his uh, So anyway, finish your point, young Michael. Oh, I think I, I, I finished my point. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was that he was doing the same thing. I, yeah, I was. I, well, I was behind the scenes, you know, behind the glass, and you, and 
I'm going to tell some stories out of school here. You'll love this because when I came in there, Wally had been at the top of the uh, Chicago radio for 20 years. Okay. Okay. I mean, he had numbers that nobody had had before and will never have again. And I come late. I came, I grew up in Detroit. I listened to JP McCarthy at WJR. Um, Well, I didn't know who Wally Phillips was. And the chief engineer says, Hey, because he knew I was running a theater company. And he said, you're kind of a creative guy. You want to be Wally's engineer too? And I said, sure. Not knowing what that meant. And, and so I started doing that with some of the other guys there uh, who had been doing it for years. Um, and uh, it, what I was told when I came in was kind of interesting. He said, you never talk to Wally. Do not ever talk to Wally. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. That's nutty. That's crazy. And so I would get on the IFB. Hey, Wally, I want to try this thing out. And, and Wally responded. He loved it. He was, and I said, well, why were they telling me you never talk to Wally? I talked to Wally all the time. So uh, we, we had a pretty good relationship. Well, that's, that's how it works here, by the way. No one's allowed to talk to me. You only oh, got to go through Dennis. Okay. Uh, don't talk to me. I'm too important. He's a diva. <laughs> you let that Steve Harvey story I, get to his head. I, I have a Wally Phillips story. Uh-oh. Go ahead. I, I, um, when Harold was running for mayor yeah. in Washington, mm-hmm. the final days, he was supposed to appear on Wally's show. Oh, I know show. the story. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he got tied up in other things, and he did not show. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. And you know, and, and I'm I'm one of the reporters that's following him around, and it was impossible to follow him around in in my private car. You know, he has his entourage, mm-hmm. and we go someplace, and you have to find a parking space, and that might take who knows how long, depending on where it was. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have cell phones or anything like that, so I I hadn't called in to talk to the desk to tell him why he had missed. The Wally Phillips show, and that was because he was at some other stop and just overstayed. Well, and we, so they freaked out, oh, they you know. Ever. And, and and I I had never I, to this day I've never heard of Wally Phillips show. I mean, I I, I grew up on VON. Sure. I, mean, I, I grew up on a completely different media. Yes. Side, so I knew who I knew Wally Phillips by name, but not one. I had not spent two minutes listening to Wally Phillips. And, and this is perfect because that you're saying this because when Harold ran in 83, Chicago was perhaps even more racially divided than it is now. And it was as though there was a wall that went down the middle of the city and separated black and white culture from each other. Right. So black people had their radio stations, right. white people had their radio right. stations. Right. Wally Phillips was the number one uh, entertainer on radio, but number two would probably be some black guy. Yeah. And white people would be listening to Wally Phillips yeah. and black people would be listening. And so it was so, to the black guy, and it was so important for Harold Washington running as uh, the black man for right. mayor right. to get on the Wally Phillips show right. so that white people could realize that he too was a human being, Harold Washington, yeah, right, okay? Right. And he missed the way it was. And so Wally Phillips, and as Mike Novak can tell you, there are a few things in life worse than if you're a radio host Ouch. and somebody But the thing is, Harold was getting his vote out. He didn't need to go to Wally Phillips. That's, he, that's the, tr- no. the truth of the matter. After, after, after he won the primary, yeah. 
I went on, I think I went on some white radio station. It may have been LS. I can't remember now. It's as a Tribune report. Mm -hmm. And um, the white listeners were calling in and they were so upset that I, f I felt sorry and, st and, and started trying to explain to them <laughs> how this happened because they couldn't believe it happened. That, that this he black missed. guy hit, no, that he, he, he had won. Oh, he had won. I thought yeah, he, he had won. Missed no, 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 no. They were telling, they just couldn't, you know, so I got, I, I finally, which really endeared me with my editor, I said to them, I mean, this one woman was so upset, I said, well, I said, the problem is the media did not educate you guys enough on who Harold was and what he was doing. You we threw said, the media yeah, under the yeah, bus? Yeah, right. Monroe exactly. in trouble. Right, exactly. uh, there goes the media. I, I was in trouble. Too. <laughs> By the way, I always forget, which one of the, which which reporter did you give his start to? I always forget. Was it Cass or Axelrod? Which one owes his career to you? I guess Cass. Oh, Cass. All right. Did he thank you yet? Uh, uh, no. Okay, no. that's what I thought. No. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> let's love doing no. it. Oh, no. Actually, he did me a favor when I was press secretary. He he called in and told me about the the brouhaha at the art museum over there. Yeah, you told me that already. Yeah, I right. guess he figured. Well, all right, yeah, right. that took care of me getting right. a job from exactly. him. Um, so you, you haven't finished the Wally story though, and Harold, right? Yeah. So Harold, yeah, I haven't finished the. So Harold missed the show, and uh, actually, Monroe, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Harold needed black vote alone. Uh, with uh, Hispanic vote was not enough to make Harold the mayor to defeat Bernie Epton. He needed some white votes. And but they weren't on WGN. <laughs> this is a valid point. <laughs> right. that, that, that is a valid point. Uh, okay. Uh, so, he, you know, the, he, that is an interesting point. Could he have won without any WGN white people? Hmm, I have to think about that one. That is an interesting point. Uh, you know, just like your, your basic run-of-the-mill lefty who doesn't listen to who thinks while well, it makes fun of Wally Phillips you know whatever maybe that person would have but I don't even know if a Steve Dahl listener was uh, voting in fact I, I doubt the Steve Dahl oft, how often did old candidate Obama go on Fox didn't he go on Fox he once or once, twice yeah, yeah right exactly yeah, that's yeah, the point yeah I mean, he wasn't getting any Fox viewers well anyway uh so what, what was I doing voting for Harold Washington that's just crazy I guess well, you were I, a young liberal white guy yeah that's true I, guess I knew you I knew him back then okay he was, <laughs> we played softball together back yes, then yes. he had the, you know hey center field and uh <laughs> you're not doing it anymore no, I am. I he still is. play softball. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he was late for his show in the summer because he had a softball okay. game. <laughs> Give him a break. He should call me out because I stiffed him the last time, and it wasn't like the day of. I did say the night before, hey, I don't think I'm going to be there. And uh, if somebody did that to me, I'd, I'd never speak to him again, so I can't believe that I'm back on the no, show. No, come on. <laughs> I'm not like that. Anyway, uh, I, so... Um, so anyway, with the Wally Phillips show, Harold did go back on the Wally Phillips show. Yeah. And, uh, but I remember when it happened, uh, just like, oh my God, white Chicago and black Chicago, like white people are freaking out even more now than they were before. And white people were losing their minds over Harold anyway. Right. And now you had Wally Phillips going, I've never, this has never happened in like 5 billion years that someone stiffed me or whatever. Uh, and I just, as a guy who really wanted Harold to, to win, I was agonizing over it. But then Harold went on, and my memory is correct, and memory's a funny thing, Mike Novak, but my memory is that Harold charmed Wally Phillips, because Harold Washington was a uh, very charming... I don't charming. remember that incident. It might have been before my time. Because yeah, I, I, I didn't start till the end of... 
1983 yeah at gn so yeah well anyway uh here washington we have this uh, very bust ah. of him uh, here on the show but uh, uh i don't know how we got but, off but, you know you tangent. were talking about uh, uh people freaking out over harold washington who as you know Monroe had a history. I was freaking out, honestly, that they could find somebody in an alley named Bernie Epton and put him in and he would have a real shot at being mayor of Chicago. I mean, what the heck was that all about? Uh, It's called white fear. I know it is, but it was... It was appalling. Yeah. It, w- it really was. It, it was, w- and there's a lot of uh, parallels to what's going on with Trump right now. Yeah, um, it's it, Trump's support is uh, rooted a lot of fear. That's what Trump plays upon when he talks about rapists coming across the border. He's, mm-hmm. he's oh uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly the fear. same thing. It, it, and it's amazing now we've we've been 35 years watching the same playbook. Right. 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 And it and it doesn't right. seem to change. And now it's worse because Trump's revived it. Let's get the fear of the other. And uh, and and and, you know, we're, we're having while we're sitting here, they're having these impeachment hearings. Uh, and the thing, uh, you know, because you told me we were going to talk about this a little bit. And the thing that just pops into my head is the man. And I'm talking about the guy in the White House has no dignity at all none he does it you know and that's the thing that just makes me scratch my head that 44 percent of people in america don't care well what's happened in, in over the years is the um victimization of white people they used to not be victims and now there is this group of losers mainly who who are victims and so they love it that trump is is um telling it like it is well i i'm actually uh, going to say that the victimization of white people was alive when harold washington ran in 1983 and allow me to the, the oh, parallel yeah, sure. the no, because if you, that started yeah. in the if you, 60s if you yeah. if you if you criticized white people in chicago back in 1983 let me go back if you criticize white democrats in 1983 <laughs> lifelong democrats always voted for the Democrats. Suddenly, a black man, a black Democrat, uh, is their candidate, their party's candidate for mayor of the Chicago, and they're openly, they're going to vote for the uh, a Republican, well, a they white became, Republican. They became, they became Republicans, Republicans overnight. overnight. Uh, if you criticize them for that, they would counter with all kinds of things where they were the victims. Like, well, you don't know. I mean, it would be like absurd things, like, like, my brother was mugged right. by a black guy. Right. First of all, I never believe. I who knows if it was even true. But what does that have to do with Harold Washington? Right. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, oh. but th- there was a reason. Well, it's, it just doesn't come out of anywhere. And then they would counter it. You're an elitist. You're a snob. You're a lakefront liberal. And right. it's exactly the game right. that it's Trump's playing on. right now. It's, it's like exactly counterattacks right. anybody that you're dare. never Trumper. <laughs> You're a never Trumper. Never Trumper. Yeah, right. And, and apparently, uh, Fox this morning uh, during the beginning uh, of the uh, testimony had little graphics up next to these guys saying ha- has been accused of being a never Trumper. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. That's that's this is part of the reason we are where we're at today. Because of Fox. Well, not just Fox, but I've been thinking about that and yeah. going back in time, having been at, at WGN and oh, watched. Yeah. Oh, okay. We know there were there there have been uh, strains of this throughout uh, broadcast history, like Father Coughlin and, and people like that. But it really got organized, and a friend of mine told me this, and I thought about it and said, "Yeah, this is true." Paul Harvey, 
Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey, who was, you know, everybody would go, they'd smile and think of Paul Harvey, good day. Yeah. And and he'd tell a you know, funny little story at the end, but he was bringing the right wing agenda in and because he did news and commentary. It wasn't just news anymore, it was commentary. So he kind of paved the way and then Rush came down the road and, and ran with it. Um, and then suddenly we have whole networks devoted to that side of right. uh, the story. And, and I'll tell you how I know this. I mean, Everybody knows this, but what brings it home is my radio show. I'm out trying to get it syndicated uh, in other parts of the country. And when is that radio show? Uh, 9 to 11 a.m. Sundays <laughs> on 1590 WCGO. And there's an FM, right? Uh, yeah, 95.9. And you can go to net. How as do you spell well. that? N-O-W-A-K. I'll be damned. Yeah. Uh, and so I go out looking for stations across the country uh, where I think this, the show will fit. Mm-hmm. There aren't any. Right. They've all got Rush, and they've all got Hannity, and they've all got Levine, and all those characters. So now I realize, well, I'm willing to be in the belly of the beast. That's fine. I'll, I'll go on those stations and do what I do and talk green and, and climate change and watch people's heads explode. Well, that's now, fine. If, if, if you drive around America and you stay in motels, um, you, will, you will go to some motels where the MSNBC is not even on. Mm-hmm. You can't even get it. But but Fox is everywhere, CNN is almost everywhere. But MSNBC they they don't they don't even carry it. Well, I, this is a a favorite topic of mine uh, for the obvious reason. I I'm late to the game that Mike Novak has made his entire career at, and Monroe also was in the game of the TV side of it in the '90s. And Young Doctor D has been in the game since he was like uh, an infant in a, cri- a crib. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my little brief experience uh, with radio talk, I got fired for being too liberal for a liberal radio station. Uh, I know. So, I, 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 it serves you serves right. right. So, Mike Novak and Monroe Anderson, what's with lefties and liberals? I got, I got fired for bringing in too much money to the radio station, right, well, so there we go. Uh, it's, okay, so what's with liberals and lefties? Why are liberals and lefties incapable of supporting a network on, on radio or podcasting that even approximates uh, Rush Limbaugh? And what because the because done. corporations which support these things are are uh, basically conven- are conventional and conservative. Right. All right. And that's exactly. that's where it starts yeah, with the, the corporations. The liberal media is no such thing as a, you know you 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 hear the Trump nuts talking about the liberal media, and um, they will they they think that the Tribune is part of the liberal media. I mean, they make no, yeah. unless you're Fox or some, some super right-wing uh, propaganda organ, organ then they Wait, think you're out. liberal. So are, are you telling me that liberals don't have money? That liberals wouldn't want to listen to a show and then you could get advertising no, revenue? No, liberals no. blew it when I was in college in the 60s, late 60s. Conservative was a dirty word. And what the conservatives did was systematically built this thing up through radio and what have you. And now liberals are dirty work. Yeah, and and it was insidious. It it happened slowly. It yeah, happened. It was right. a, they were playing the long game, and right. and suddenly, and you've seen that happen where you look around, and you go, oh well, I guess we have to catch up. Well, now the game is rigged. It's it's hard to do that, and that's why I keep uh, screaming at the TV at the two billionaires in in the in the Democratic race, get out of the race and buy a network. 
uh, that you can well, put. One of them owns. Bloomberg has. Um, well, he's got his media. media. Yeah, yeah. Media yeah. But but you know, get some of these stations because people will support it. You know that, Denny. You know that because you worked at the Progressive Station Chicago. Those people are so loyal and so desperate for talk that they can listen to and they can relate to. Uh, and there are millions of people like that across the country who who are stuck with the fare they get. How many different stations do you need to have running Rush Limbaugh in your market at the same time? There are, there are markets that will have five, six stations running the same show at the same time. Wow. That's nuts. So... You're saying that the people who run the stations themselves are of the right-wing persuasion, and that's what they want to hear. I don't think the people who run the stations are of the right-wing persuasion. They want to make money, right. okay? And, uh, and they're, they're conservative, but they are uh, crazy white right-wingers. Anything no, like they're not the, the nut jobs. But, but, okay, this is what you, you have a situation where not you, always, have, anyway. you have salesmen, traveling salesmen. You have truckers. Who who have they're they're driving around and they have nothing better to do, and you have these then you have these talk shows that are conservative, and they listen to these guys all day long, and this is why you can't that forty four percent stays constant because they have been brainwashed. Yes, they have been brainwashed uh, to to accept that our liberals are the enemy. It's not even a matter of policy positions anymore. It's just that people who are liberals are bad people and you can't listen to Yeah, I've been called a libtard a few times. I'm sure you have too. Right, exactly. Uh, And that's all they got. That's that's it. It's not about policy. It's about the brainwashing. Mm. So how do we get past that? I mean, I watched my dad become brainwashed. I watched my sister become brainwashed. I mean, they have gone down that. I don't even want to ask my brother. I don't want to know what his political <laughs> leanings are because I'm afraid what he'll tell me. Uh, Thanksgiving at your house must be a yeah. lot of fun. You're you love this. I don't go anymore. Wait, okay? out of they in Michigan? They're back in Michigan? Yeah. My brother now lives in the UP, so you can So guess. here we go. I have to ask you this. Then. You're, you grew up in the state of Michigan. You have family in the state of Michigan. Yep. Uh, the New York Times just ran a poll. It was very controversial. Uh, they've done at least two articles on it that I've seen, and it's generated many more articles in the same newspaper uh, that talked about the uh, Trump's popularity in the key swing uh, states of Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. I don't know if you saw this article, mm-hmm. but Trump was very competitive with whatever candidate threw out there. Now, I could go on and on about how it was biased against Bernie, but let's put that to the side. Uh, based on your knowledge of Michigan, grew up there again. Yeah. I'm not blaming you, but you are from Michigan. Yeah, but I left it 40 years ago, and I don't recognize the state anymore. Talk, what do you mean? I mean, I, the shift to the right has been a little bit terrifying. In fact, my, my nickname for my home state is Michigan. So... Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much. Do we, do we have a, a rim shot there? If we got one, right. uh, just <laughs> Robert Mueller. Mueller. He's got no rim. Here. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's there's been a swing to the right, and there's been that that brainwashing going on. But the even more important is uh, suppression of the vote is a is a 
big, big deal and just convincing people to come out and vote. And and I would say people of color is especially because uh, they've been treated poorly for so long. Why would they come out? Because they just hear the same old promises every single time. And do they ever see any good results from that? Rarely, occasionally. You know, this is why Obama was so successful. I mean, he's a was a middle of the road guy, and I can name half a dozen policies that I disagree with from him. But he he sparked that interest, and uh, those people came out and vote. All people, white and black, and Hispanic and Asian, because he was um, he he was different. Now it's going to be. I I could I could say. Uh, well, I look at next uh, um, fall's election, and will we have that person who engages people uh, and has that imag- fires that imagination in the electorate? I don't know that we do. Mayor Pete, question mark? <laughs> no, serious no, question mark. Now. Well, it is a serious yeah. question. But yeah. I think I think he's the flavor of the month right now. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens in Iowa. But but here's the thing. I'm sorry. He's another white guy. Yeah, no, he's a young, young yeah, white guy. Right. Well, and he's gay. That's, that's and he's gay. There's, I, I, I have a, a friend who's gay, uh, Joe English. Uh, mm-hmm. You've had him on the show. Mm-hmm. Your show, uh, Joe. I was talking to him the other day. He 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 would like to see um, Elizabeth and Pete as a Veep. And he says if Pete is her vice president, then. Twenty percent of uh, the men, gay men, he, he says. He says that ten percent is nonsense. He says, Twenty <laughs> percent. Okay. Exactly. He said it's going to be suburban suburban husbands who haven't slept with their wives in ten years. Are going to come out to vote I actually think that's a pretty good uh, ticket right uh, there. I, listen, I, when I think about Obama and what he did in t- two thousand and eight. And I say this as a guy who was all fired up uh, for Obama in 2008. I, I realize that is was a go. I don't know. I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but once in a long time situation. Yeah. And the Democratic Party cannot expect that to happen again. There's no candidate who has that special mix of charisma and uniqueness that Obama had at that moment, 2008. And I look at all the candidates, been following them very uh, dedicatedly, uh, Monroe. None of them have that. None of them have. So Obama could be vague yeah. on every issue. He, he Because it didn't matter what, speci- what he was talking about. It didn't matter if he wasn't specific. It didn't matter that he was really kind of like a Mitt Romney type in his worldview. What mattered was he just g- generated you know, this charisma and, and people fell under his spell to a certain degree. Uh, and Which Trump is doing for the right. right yeah. It, and so the Democrats are going to beat yeah, the Democrats going to beat the Republicans. He's the evil Obama. I mean, right. that's that's yeah, the point. Right. It's, I brought exactly. it up earlier. Yeah. The dignity. Don't they people recognize that that he's petty? He's vindictive. I mean, they don't seem to care on the right that, that whatever happened to character in in a presidential candidate? Has that gone away? Do we well, not? Does that well, not count they, anymore? See, no, they think of him as a character, but <laughs> but not not <laughs> having Red character, Shot, but being a character. No, seriously, well, you know, know it's that. like Trump is Trump. Yeah. Oh, no, but, but if you if you 
If but you, you would you really want him to be your boss? Would you really want him to live next no, door? No, the people who 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 he happens to be their boss were out. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they're but trapped. I, I, I feel that uh, that in some ways, I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say, so I hope I'm going to say it right. Donald Trump's attitude of defiance uh, to all the conventions of political behavior, on one level, I appreciate. I have to say that at one level, because I've spent my career, Mike Novak, exposing the inconsistencies mm-hmm. of politicians who say one thing and do something oh, else. Oh, he says one thing and does other things. I understand it. He's yeah, a freaking so. phony and yeah, he's right, a fraud exactly. and he's a hypocrite. Right. But he breaks and he defies all the rules and all the well, conventions. That's because he's a narcissist. narcissist. <laughs> he's not doing it for any, any principle reason saying, at all. He's doing it because he's crazy. Whatever. Whatever the reason. He's a crazy lunatic. Yeah. Or he's making he's money off of it. sticking it to the man every day. Yes, okay? he's sticking and it to that, the man. And, that's and the man that he's sticking it to is <laughs> me and no, you. And them and, the, and, and those idiots who are voting for him. Yes, I, that is correct. Yeah. He is. Yeah. 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 And, and they don't care. And, and, in some yeah. instances, they don't know. <laughs> they, they never figured it out yet. Yeah. But uh, so on one level, I can sort of appreciate it. Uh, but on the other level, I, it... it, it um, I'm I'm afraid about where the country's going and the policies that he's enacting by pretending he's sticking it to the man or actually benefiting the man. And so it's pretty obvious he's a fraud and he's All hurting the All roads lead to Putin. Well, you know, yeah, it's uh, Pelosi, we keep that's what Pelosi said. And if you examine everything he's done in the last three years, it's absolutely right. It is true. Yeah. And that's ultimately why we're sitting. Wait, here time out. Why do you say all roads lead it, to Putin? Everything mm-hmm. that he has done. Um, breaking up um, um, all his policies are Russian. They 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 benefit Russia. Even the Ukraine, this Ukraine situation, benefits Putin, Russia. If uh, you look at what happened in Syria, pulling the the um, you talk about on foreign policy issues. Yeah, foreign, but also no, local oh no, stuff some too. domestic policy. Well, wait, some his major. Too. I would say his most significant domestic policy uh, achievement, and I have the word achievement in quotes, is the tax break, which is widely popular with. Rich people, people who reach people who benefited right, from right, it, okay? Right. Which creates and, a society of oligarchs. Yeah, exactly. Which Russia which, has and, and leads to the kind <laughs> right, of right. leads to the kind of situation we're having here in the city of Chicago, where Lori Lightfoot can't figure out how to raise the money we need to fund our basic obligations because she can't look to the federal government for aid because they pulled out of that business by and large, and they don't have any money anyway, and they're using whatever they have for military, which doesn't benefit the city of Chicago. So that's his great achievement and it seems as though there are a significant number of americans that's all that matters to them when it comes to voting and i don't even blame i the the working class white people the uneducated white people uh, without college degrees that you're alluding to uh mike i don't blame them i think there's a lot of people in dupage county uh on the gold coast here in chicago I think it's college educated as well although they seem to be leaving that camp more and more. Well, this gets at the well, question. Okay, okay, no, this is my theory. Yeah. Reagan. 
Reagan set up this whole greed is good um, policy, philosophy, mindset. And we've been in it, and we've just gotten greedier and greedier and greedier. And you've gotten the the split. Unions are useless now as far as um, a lot of people are concerned. Well, they're corrupt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, and they're corrupt, you know. I mean, but but that's that's always the argument. It's like the union is corrupt, and I want to raise my hand and say, so you're telling me that in the scale of things, the union is much more corrupt than the corporation corporation that's— that, that has cut your pay and, and, and added more hours right. to your day. No, but, but Reagan started this, you know, the whole I mean, Reaganomics and the whole f- philosophy on it's, it's, um, it's good to be rich and, and we don't like those. And, and people, there's a welfare queen and, and, and anybody who's not rich is, is worthless. And it's just grown and grown and entrenched and entrenched. And that's part of where we why we are, yeah. where we are today. well and uh i will also point out uh, that uh this is one of my favorite themes i'll take this opportunity to point it out uh that democrats and republicans approach uh accusations of corruption in their party in different ways so for instance the it's pretty clear from the evidence a solid case can be made against donald trump on the grounds that uh, he was extorting the, uh, uh, he was trying to get the uh, force to uh, arm twist the president of Ukraine into just having a press conference announcing he was investigating Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, whether he was or he wasn't just for that political purpose. And he was going to withhold aid to him until he did that. Uh, and uh, Republicans are responding to that evidence of that with a full court press attack, a counterattack on the people who dare to make the accusations here in the state of Illinois where when whenever the a democrat is accused of corruption that is on a scale i would say far less significant than the president of the united states right. twisting the arm of a, a foreign pres another former politician B- bribing a foreign oh, we have no democrat, quid pro quo democrats go pro quo. Oh, let's let's pull them out Let's him, he, we're going to remove him from office. This is an outrage. Yeah. We join the Republicans in denouncing this. Only in they always go only in Illinois, only in Chicago would something like this be tolerated. Meanwhile, Republicans are tolerating it in Washington, and I'm just getting and harder Texas. and harder. <laughs> and it's it's getting harder and harder for me, Monroe, to play that game. Yeah. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, oh I'm outraged by what Louis Arroyo did in by shaking. By the way, my representative. Your, <laughs> in shaking down. You probably voted for him a million times. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. But that's correct. That's an outrage. <laughs> but ooh, you're not going to join me, Republicans? Well, you know, it's the same. Tribune? It's the same. You're not going to join me? It's the same with Trump? sexual harassment. That is correct. It's the same thing. Yes, yeah. you're right. Absolutely the yeah, same. Yeah, you know, and, and what's amazing here is, that, and you just brought it up, it's the first time that that has come up about the, the Trump administration and what he personally has done and has been accused of by scores of women. We haven't even mentioned the environment and what he is doing with his policies right. to, tear, to in, a, in a world where climate change is running rampant and Australia is on fire, California is on on fire. We've got uh, a cold snap we've never seen before in November. It's all connected. All right. All right. That is a good point to take a break. We're going to come back and Michael Novak will take a brief deep dive <laughs> on the environment. I brought him on the show to talk environment, but we got on this great uh, other discussion. We're going to be right back after this. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. I, um, right now, um... Hey, podcast fans. I mean, I'm assuming that's you, because you're listening to a podcast, right? You're a fan. I mean, if you're not a fan, why are you listening to this? The Fran Spielman Show is now available as a podcast. Yes, it's true. The Fran Spielman Show features weekly interviews with the lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Fran, I don't know if you knew this or not, Ben had to find out the hard way a couple weeks ago. Fran holds nothing back. Uh, he really didn't. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. And now you, that's Y-O-U, you can listen to her show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun-Times. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash F-R-A-N hyphen s-h-o-w welcome back to the b-e-n jarofsky s-h-o-w live from the chicago sun times mike novak and monroe anderson in the studio we're uh, concluding our discussion mike before we went to break i uh said that actually you- i have a, a breaking news here too oh. i just came across my phone chicago oh. mayor Lori lightfoot offers plan to lower fines and vehicle impoundment for illegal pot possession all right you trying to get my job pal that was uh, gonna that was my update uh, <laughs> oh really was it <laughs> it was actually yeah yeah no, uh, uh, go ahead mike go ahead she announced by drawing uh <laughs> on a big spleef and uh <laughs> yeah so that's spliff that was in my uh, beloved bright one today <laughs> it's spliff uh, yes i like spleef uh young thomas shuba i've heard spleef before uh so, i think it's yeah. from the the white suburbs that yeah, uh, that yeah, comes yeah. from right. so uh, are you with her on that on what? On uh, you know we're making it's, the penalties. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm like, let's let's good get, job, Lori. Let's enter the 21st century. Can can we please do that? Mm. I mean, uh, the state of Colorado hasn't, uh, you know, they haven't sealed off the borders and 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 drummed them out of the union. Uh, you know, <laughs> three or four years down the road, it seems to be working okay, and uh, and it's it's reality. And this is this is. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't advise it. Here's what I would say. Uh, I don't advise it uh, f- for youngsters because uh, right. it, it's, it, you know, when you're when you're trying to learn stuff and you're in school, uh, it's focus is hard enough. OK, uh, I would say 21 and above. Yeah, I'm, because there are also theories that um, if you're young and your, your brain is developed, right, exactly. It does weird things to it. Hmm. Well, I know it really enhanced my college career. <laughs> I can just tell you that. It's, uh, all right. I was a young scholar. Uh, all right, so I'm not going to ask you for gardening tips and growing reefer, uh, Mike Novak. <laughs> Although oh, I, 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 I was going to ask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you uh, people tell keep me telling me that. They, they, they say, so when are you going into the, the discussion about growing reefer? And I'm thinking... I think it's about time. We probably should. You because, really should. You know, but the law, the laws are are, are complex and uh, differ from state to state as well. So we'll have to see yeah. about that. Uh, but right. that but so I, I don't think, want to embarrass you, but have you ever grown marijuana? Yeah. 
Yeah, I have. Actually, they're uh, weeds. All you do is put some seeds in a pot. No, but there's ways of doing it. Like, so there's some guys. I got to tell you. I, okay, I'll give you a story. I grew one in a pot um, <laughs> in, I want to say, like 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was in this pot, and it was in, and it, it was this like this big, long stem, uh, and it had a few leaves, and I really wasn't paying much attention to it, and I put it outside and then forgot to water it, and it died. And so I come out at one point and the leaves are all yellow and they're about to fall off. So I went, well, I went, let's, let's give it a shot. And it was some of the best stuff I'd ever had. I was just like, wow, I should have grown more of this. Okay. But that was, I haven't grown it in a, probably since then. So. Yeah. Which was go. yesterday. Um, <laughs> all right. uh, I haven't grown it in at least a week. I don't know. That, that may be a new podcast for you, Mike. Uh, Mike Novak's pot, pot pot stories. Uh, no podcast. Oh my God. There we go. Get the I bet it's out. already, <laughs> somebody's already out there with a podcast. You got to right. know. I don't know, man. Uh, go for it. All right, uh, Mike Novak, I, yeah. I want to know what the correlation is between this wretched weather of the last three days where it's 20 degrees in early November or 12 degrees even. Uh, and uh, if my, I go, my pipes froze. Monroe's Did pipes really? froze. That is not a weed uh, reference. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> Talking about weather. How do you know? <laughs> uh, and. A climate change. So please explain the correlation between uh, this horrific cold front and climate change. Well, if you look at maps of climate change uh, globally, um, and as I mentioned earlier, Australia is, is on fire and other places on the planet are really hot. And if you look at maps, you look at the United States and there's and, and you look at places where the the average temp temperature has gone up. There's actually a spot um, kind of from our area down to the deep south that has been relatively stable. Um, and it's due to various factors involving where they are on the continent, on the North American continent. But it's an anomaly. There's basically no other areas on the planet that are like that. So what we're stuck with here is, and Monroe was mentioning this during the break, and you've seen it, you know, the uh, who is it? Uh, Oklahoma Senator brought the, Inhofe brought the snowball into Congress. Mm -hmm. And said, whoa, where's, the, where's your global warming? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you just want to take the snowball in his face. But... Um, uh, <laughs> you can't look at uh, our area, although p part of it has to do with climate change affecting jet streams and, and how they at one point were in a more orderly fashion around the globe. And now it's, everything's breaking loose. They had the heat wave from um, uh, uh, Europe go up into Greenland and a massive amount of ice melt uh, during the summer. Uh, you have to look at the planet as a whole. That's why it's climate change and not weather change. You can have weather change from one day to the next. Uh, you have to take the temperature all over the planet. You can't just cherry pick our area. And we have had some cooler 
uh, winters and, and springs. I mean, we had the cool, wet spring, but that's also part of climate change. The uh, the idea that we're going to get more rain in certain parts of the country and less in others. I mean, look at the devastation to the farmers in Illinois and in and, and, um, Indiana and Missouri this year because they couldn't get there. Well, Nebraska was underwater in February and March. Um, that's all part of climate change, too. It isn't just the planet heating up. It's everything else that's going with it. And you have to take the numbers from the entire planet. And when you do, you realize we just had the hottest October on record. We keep setting record after record after record. And this is the thing that really scares the heck out of me is that uh, we're fighting these stupid battles. Um, And I don't mean it's stupid that we have... um, uh, impeachment hearings, because I would impeach the guy just for what he's done to our climate and, and what he's done to our environment. How, how many how many ways could you impeach him? I know. <laughs> I don't know. But but I had uh, a guy on my show. Have you ever heard of uh, Guy McPherson? He's a University of Arizona professor emeritus. Uh, Denny, I, he might have been on the show when you were working with me. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember hearing that name. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy. He might go back. He's Sorry. got a blog that um, is titled Nature Bats Last, uh, which should appeal to you. Mm-hmm. And you should go read it mm-hmm. because he's the guy who says, we're done. We're, I've looked at the numbers now for 15 years. There's nothing we can do. Enjoy the rest of your life. It's going to be short and painful. Um, and he is very controversial. I had him on my show recently, and you can't believe the podcast numbers I got from that guy because he's really controversial, but people are paying attention to the guy as well. Uh, he says the planet should be in hospice right now. That's how bad it is. And yet here we are um, dithering yeah. And having these nut jobs put in charge of the EPA and pulling out of the Paris Accord uh, when what we should be doing is having uh, a Manhattan Project approach to this where we drop everything else we're doing on this planet and figure out how to fix this, and whether it's fixed, you know, e- even if it is fixable. And we don't know that it is at this point. So um, that's kind of my short take on things is I can't. I can't focus on this every hour of every day. Some people do. Uh, and in fact, uh, McPherson lost his career. His life is in a mess. People call him out, and um, he's become, in some circles, a pariah. But other people go, yeah, no, he's absolutely right, and we need to really address this. But are we addressing it? No, we're not even coming close to it. We are not even in the ballpark here. So... Uh, I can, we can continue to print the numbers and say this was the hottest August, it was the hottest September, it was the hottest October. Who's paying attention? It's it's just numbers to some people. It's just a headline, and then they move on to, you know, how bad the bears are, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't I don't understand why um, TV weathermen on every station in every city don't say when we have these weather extremes, it's climate change. 
I mean, this is how. I mean, this is how they. Well, should. well I have an answer to that because ahead. my meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who's on my program every week and has been in Chicago now forever. Wait, um, what's the days on and the time of that uh, show? Again? I believe it's nine <laughs> to eleven a.m. Sunday mornings on fifteen ninety WCGO. And there's a way on the FM too, yeah, right? Uh, Ninety-five nine, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, did I mention there's podcasts at MikeNovak.net and LWAK.net? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but Rick, Rick is one of the few guys who will come on the air and call out uh, weather casters. Some of them are meteorologists and some of them aren't. And he says they really do need to be talking about this. Now, part of it is time considerations because... Uh, you, you watch local news, and they get... They spend five minutes on the news. <laughs> they go from... I mean, you look at, at WGN or WLS or CBS, any of them. They, they, they spend these... In but order. they need to do it every day. But, Monroe, need, you want... You want weathermen to... the. And we're not you talking about the lefty to, underground yeah, here, about, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you want these weather <laughs> broadcasters... To stick their neck out on the line, it, and what Mike was just why saying, why don't they? They if if we're not going to be around, if it's this dire, they need to. Okay, but uh, you got to worry about tomorrow. And see, this is the this is the consequence, the effectiveness of what Trump has done, and the right has done, and what the Republican Party has done. So you take something like climate change, and Mike Novak just brilliantly spelled out the essence of what's going on. And uh, it's pretty much indisputable among scientists. I think 99%, something like that. And yet and yet, that is called into question. So, well, what about the 3% uh, uh, who disagree? So there's... So that, imagine that, if some guy... paid by the oil company. Yeah, exactly. right, so imagine if some guy from Channel 7 yeah. or Channel 5 started yeah. every day. So, well, folks, here, get rid of exhibit A on climate change. Well, no, they don't have to do it every day, just when these records are hit, when this extreme weather comes. Then they'll get hit with phone calls from the right uh, saying that they're making political uh, statements on what should be the weather report and they resent this and the station will feel pressure. It's no longer a political statement. It's a statement of fact. 97% of the scientists in the world say it's a political. I agree with you, but that's not, I'm just telling the way the world of journalism works. No, Ben is right. If if Sean Spicer could still be on Dancing with the Stars. He just got voted off. Oh, he did? Yeah, that's a classic You know why he brought up climate change? That's why he got voted off. That's correct. That is a classic. That is a classic, classic case. And we'll close with that. That is a man who should be a pariah. Really, Sean Spicer uh, ginned up a revolt <laughs> to uh, against meritocracy. He made it a political vote. Vote for me. It's a vote for Trump. Uh, if I get voted off a dance contest, it'll be like the liberals will win. And all these people weighed in and voted for the guy who was a bad dancer. Oh, he's, he's badder than bad. <laughs> he's so bad. Right. And uh, so there you go. You just proved the point. Uh, when 44% is whatever the number you gave, uh, Mike, 97, no, 44% oh. of the country will, oh, yeah, just, will say whatever Donald Trump tells exactly, them to say. Yeah. Then if uh, weatherman, Billy Bob on channel oh, five, I love, that's my favorite weatherman, <laughs> weatherman, says, Billy Bob says, don't say nothing bad about him, says that this, uh, 20 degree temperature in early November is a result of climate change. The phone calls will come in, except, except as DeMaio points out. Skilling does, but he's the only one, basically. Yeah.
Yeah, yeah, he does. So, but, and, he, but he he is such a weather nerd and, and an institution. So you can't right believe now. him because that's all he cares about, yeah, right? right? Exactly, right? No, you know, no. you know him, you believe him for that reason because yeah. I mean, he goes through such great deep, and, and plus he is really just a decent human. Yeah, plus, yeah. man, yeah. look how Trump trying to fire those uh, meteorologists for the federal government or put them under pressure because they would wouldn't say the because of the Sharpie the incident. Hurricane was coming. Uh, I mean, that was a. Alabama. You're talking impeachment. That's a federal offense. He committed right. a federal offense by using the sharp. Oh, How many no. federal offenses can this guy commit right. and, and, and still and, remain president? And, and since we didn't talk enough Trump, he also was going to fire the um, eternal, um, the internal general for allowing the whistleblower to, to um, the inspector general, the inspector general, yeah. for allowing the whistleblower to come forward. He was he was he was planning on firing him. Well, and he's supposed to be independent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the well, inspector the general is supposed to be independent. Yeah, right. right exactly. And uh, we do have an update before we roll out of here. Oh. Well, first off, no collusion. Okay. Hoax. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wally Phillips. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, come on. The next Wally Phillips here. All right, we have an update here. Uh, it's an Illinois congressional election update. Ooh. Now, last election, the third congressional race between Dino Dan Lipinski and Marie Newman was one of the closest in the country. Dino Dan barely won, just barely. Marie Newman is back for the rematch, but she's not the only one running. Last time we checked, Lipinski was facing three, count them three, Democratic challengers, but this just in. Abe Matthews. The number is now down to two. Uh Uh-oh. Democratic hopeful Abe Matthew dropped his primary bid to unseat Dan Lipinski and endorsed Marie Newman. That's correct. Matthew said in a Tuesday statement, quote, to the people of the 3rd District, my friends and neighbors, I will never stop fighting for you all. I will not stop fighting for you. Those who know me best know I am a much better advocate for others than I am for myself. In recognition of this, and after consultation with my family, I withdraw my name for consideration for Congress in Illinois' 3rd Congressional District. Marie Newman still in the race. And we're now down to three. All right, very good. Thank you for that the update. The thing we love about Lipinski is he did it on his own. He yeah. had, you know, <laughs> pulled himself up by daddy's bootstraps. Like, uh, like the Arroyo family, yeah. okay. Uh, or, or like the Trump family. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the, the Trump, Trump family, family. Yeah. yes, indeed. Uh, and they are all self-starters. Uh, just sort See, of, we, we yell at our own here yes. on this show, right? <laughs> yeah, we rip Democrats, too. Uh, yep. Danny Lipinski was, is the son of William Lipinski, who, of course, was the congressman before young Daniel. Uh, he retired and then handed it off to his son so uh and just falling on a great tradition it's, in it's called the family politics. business the family business exactly. all right michael novak uh thank you very much monroe anderson thank you very much and uh, of course the man the myth the legend and as mike novak knows back home in downstate alton they call him white lightning yeah they call him white lightning give yeah. yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcasts. And hey, downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time, once again at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. And yeah, that's about it. So go check that out if you uh, ever wonder what it's like to watch the video. Go check it out. We'll see every... Oh, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. See you tomorrow.